Welcome back to He's a Giant, a pod about all things college football and all things Giants football. I'm your host, Sal. This here is my co-host, Monty. What's going on, bro? What's going on, Sal? You know, just watching the Raiders smoke the Chargers right now as we're recording this episode. Clash of the Titans. <laughs> Shows how important <laughs> Justin Herbert is to that team. Uh, you guys are probably listening and watching this the next day. So tell us where we are. What's the score? 35 nothing. you 35 said? 35 nothing. Raiders. Insane. We're only in the, fir- we're in the first half still. <laughs> For all the Justin Herbert slander, there you go. That's what that squad looks like without him. Yeah. It's, Staley's the worst. He's he's the worst of all time. I don't know how that guy's going to survive all this. No, he can't survive it this time. All right. All right, guys, we've got another special episode. Last week, we did our first round mock where we went through every pick of the top 32, uh, including the Giants pick, which at the time was six or was it seven? I think it was six. Um, it was seven, seven. It was seven. Okay. So now we're eight. Uh, th- yep. Yeah, now we're down to eight after our catastrophic victory <laughs> on Monday night. Yeah. We'll get into that. The tank it's not is that dead. catastrophic. The tank is dead. It's okay. We'll have fun with it. Today, we're going to do a seven-round Giants mock. So the Giants have seven picks. Uh, we're going to go through all seven, well, all through six. The Giants have seven picks through, I believe, is it through six rounds, I believe? Yeah. So, yeah, so we're going to go through all seven picks. Um, what we're not going to do that's is just kind of roll through the picks themselves and not think about other players. We're going to try to get into a little bit more detail as we tend to do. And as much as possible, we'll go over some of the options the Giants will have at each round, the thought process behind it, go through the mental exercise of how the board may shake out from beginning to end. So that should be fun. Before we get into that, there is some there is some discussion. One thing on. I want to say before we dive into this topic, Sal, yeah. I forgot to even mention it before the show. But if we're still thinking um, about doing a mailbag episode next week, we should mention, you know, send us send us questions and, you know, prospects you want to talk us talk about this week because we were discussing doing a mailbag episode next week so if you have any prospects you want to hear about any draft questions you know at he's a giant pod dm me or sal whatever whatever works and we'll uh look about answering those questions yeah no i'm glad you mentioned that we are going to be doing a mailbag so please a lot of you guys have sent in names of prospects please dm us again if you want to go over them We'll have some time to look into the film and get get back with uh, something of an educated view on these guys for you um, or any other questions. Just send it over to one of us. Again, Monty is at Montecristo at M-O-N-T-E-C-R-I-5-T-O. And I'm at Queens underscore guy, both of us on Twitter slash X or at He's a Giant Pod, just spelled out like that. And of course, thank you for all the support. Like, subscribe. But listen to us on whatever platform you prefer youtube apple spotify whatever but thank you guys we love you guys but let's hop into some giants talk man so the giants win the game on monday night yep devito sanity is in full gear there you go (laughs) there you go uh they come up to five and eight the defense balls out again cave on thibodeau playing his ass off deontay banks tackling machine just damn good defense up and down. McKinney, another dominant week at safety. And Tommy DeVito makes the most of it, especially in the second half. The Giants win a close one, but they beat the Packers, who were favored by like six points going into that game. Yep. Three straight wins, up to five and eight. Uh, I think we can officially kill the tank and say we're not getting up to one or two. 
Yeah. Um, Not organically. Yeah. And then, so, so let's talk about that. Like, what does that mean in terms of draft positioning and what to look for and how are you going to be looking through the next like four weeks of this? How are you approaching this as a fan? So I've totally taken my mind off of Caleb Williams and Drake may. I'm not saying it's impossible to get those guys, but like, I've just, accepted that that is more than likely not going to happen there's still a chance but i'm you know i'm not focusing on that anymore right now my attention is on you know qb3 at this draft and i think there's a good shot we'll we'll get a shot at qb3 maybe we'll end up getting a shot at qb4 but i'm gonna you know i don't personally don't see a a clear qb3 some people may disagree but um i'm going to continue to look into all these quarterbacks and you know, try to hope that we go quarterback round one and see who's worthy of that. That's kind of where my mind is right now. What about you, Sal? Yeah. I mean, I think the tankathon thing was really mainly about trying to get to picks one or two, really, to get your hands on Caleb or Drake, or at minimum to maybe three, to have uh, access to the asset that is the Marvin Harrison Jr. pick. Yep. Um, outside of those three picks, it's still a damn good class, but I think the you know, I don't think you need to be too focused on whether you land at four, five, seven, eight. I think all that will kind of sort of organically play out. Um, the Giants will go in with their own needs and their approach. So I'm not too worried about it. And I'm just going to enjoy the rest of the season, to be honest. I'm yeah, enjoy the, that's right. If they, I, I'm loving the defense. I've you know said this on Spaces. I think our defense is looking like a Super Bowl caliber defense, um, or at least it's on its way to becoming one. It has the right menta- the right approach. It takes the ball away. It gets pressures on quarterbacks. Gets sacks. Um, I think that defense is close. I think the offense needs what it needs to get up to par, and then this team can be a competitor, like a real legit competitor. So it's fun watching these young guys ball out, and it's fun watching the defense gel together. Um, and I'm not going to lie. It, yeah, and it's fun watching the whole, you know, the whole Tommy DeVito thing, you know. Like, I think it's just fun. I mean, some people are taking it a little bit too far, I think, but for the most part, yeah. if you're enjoying it for what it is, which is a, a kid who's a UDFA uh, free agent rookie who has no business being on that field, getting up there and putting on a show and, and his local crowd loves him and he's loving life. That's a good story. Enjoy it. Really. The whole NFL fan, the whole NFL fan base is loving it. You see fans from all over the NFL getting in on the DeVito mania. And it's just, he's a fun backup. He's the most fun backup we've had since Jared. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, when was the last time the Giants? When was the last time the Giants got pressed for good reasons? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. if you so, think about it, we haven't had any all year. This is the first time we've had any good press for good reasons. So whatever, enjoy it. Exactly. Uh, but that you know, the other part of this is we were winning games, and just a week or two ago, we we're talking about how it looked like the state of affairs was such that you know we were going to lose our coordinators because of whatever interpersonal reasons. Yep. Where do you think that stands now? Like, what's your? How are you viewing this after a few wins? Um, and where we stand? How How do you think this is all going to shake out? What would you like to see happen? Sure. So, you know, one thing we've talked about is, you know, both of us were very focused on trying to get to a top two pick. That was kind of our number one focus once the season started going downhill. You know, you can get one of those top two picks. Everything else will kind of sort itself out, and whatever happens, happens. But if you can get a you know a franchise changing player there. That's not happening anymore. And now that we're getting wins and it's clear that our coaching staff is a huge reason we are getting these wins. I think, you know, we were always said we were, we'd be really disappointed if we lost these coordinators, but I think it's becoming more and more important of a focus to keep them as we're winning games here. 
behind, you know, great coaching. Um, you know, I think it's gotten to the point where not only is is it going to look really bad when you move on from these coordinators, if you move on from them, it's not just that you can't really skate, uh, scapegoat them anymore. These guys legitimately might be playing themselves into if they're going to be off this team, it'll be in a head coaching position. Like they they're getting back into those talks by how well they're coaching. I mean, yeah. Wink Martindale has been good basically all year, but even, you know, look at what this offense is doing with Tommy DeVito. That will be based off of what they did last year. That's going to get Mike Kafka some good press. And, you know, it, he, he interviewed for like every job in the NFL last year, and this is going to help him get back on those lists. So, um, you know, letting either of these guys walk out the door and into something other in a head coaching position would be a, a humongous, a humongous mistake. Yeah, exactly. If they earn a head coaching job, kudos to them. You you yep. wish them well. But if they don't, they got to come back. I, I don't know what you got to do, Brian Dable. I don't know what you have to say. Um, John Mara, whether it comes to, I mean, it may just come down to money. Uh, and a lot of times it does. That tends to heal a lot of wounds, right? Yeah. Sit down with people, especially with Wink Martindale, and say, look, we want you back. We know, we know you don't like whatever happened. We'll get it fixed. And we're going to pay you a, essentially like a pain and suffering tax and a pain and salary yeah. um, to come back. I think that's worth it. You want to keep building what you're building with the same guys. So unless they get head coaching jobs, we have to expect our front office and head coach to retain their coordinators other than McGahee. And the coaches really other than Bobby Johnson. We can't see the opposite where we lose the good coordinators and keep the bad coaches. Like it's, it's gotta be the other way around. Yeah. And you know, I think wink is probably where we should start on this. And I think you, what you mentioned is kind of been my approach on this, where I think you need to give them the raise to hold on to them at this point. I mentioned to you, I tweeted out this, this last week and I mentioned it to you a couple of weeks ago that I, I heard, and I've, I've seen, heard it in a few places now, but I heard from some, one of my buddies who has a source, source within the organization that Wink Martindale at this point is hoping that he gets fired so he can collect the rest of his contract and he plans on retiring. That is what I heard. I heard it from somebody else. I've heard, um, I don't know if Justin Pettick from Talking Giants has heard this as well, but he's alluded to this a couple times now on Talking Giants. I haven't asked him if, if he's hearing that name from where, but I know I've heard it from somewhere that has a source from the organization. I heard it from somebody else who, who the exact same thing unprompted. Um, so, you know, we, me and you discussed this after I heard this, um, you know, I, I believe it's probably true at this point, but I think there's, a, it's, there's a lot more that goes into this than just what, uh, Oh, he's trying to get fired or retire. He's clearly unhappy. You don't just right. just just go. I'm going to try to get fired so I retire. At this point, it feels like he's like, look, if it's not going to work out here, I'm I'm I don't want to move again. I'm just go. I just want you to give me my money and I will go. Like as he said in his his uh, press conference, we'll talk about too. I'm going to go to take my golf clubs to Florida. So, uh, what's your opinion on all that? We talked about this a few times. I mean, I've heard it now from you, and I've heard, and I heard Justin, like you said, say on Talking Giants. Uh, there's a few sources I've seen people comment about it on random things on Twitter. So there's some legs to this rumor. I don't know where it's coming from. It might, for all we know, it's coming from one portion of the Giants organization, and it's sort of being pushed out. Yeah, and, it could be that. Yeah, it's, we just don't know. Um, let's assume though that it's true. Like you said, 
why would a guy who's really doing a great job and was like a beloved coach who's enjoying himself want something like, you know, to force the organization to fire him? It's probably because he thinks the job is toxic and he wants to get out of here. And he and he feels like it's not his fault that he's forced to be, leave and he wants to be paid. So if that's the scenario, that's a bad one, right? It's not on him. It's not on Wink. It's Wink. It's so bad for Wink that he he just wants to get out of here and he doesn't want to be punished by losing his salary. He wants to be paid out because he feels like he's being pushed out without yep. being told, you know, like in a way where they just want him to leave and he doesn't want to just leave. He wants them to force him to fire him. Um, that's a bad situation. So if that's true, it's true. It's still up to Brian Dable and Joe Shane and John Mara to remedy this one way or another and say, whatever happened, we got to sit down and clear the air and figure out how we can make this work because we have something really good cooking here. Like these players are developing that defense looks really good. He's an integral part of whatever's happening. And, you know, as much as we, you and I both thought, man, they, they really screwed up this roster. It's coming together and it's looking like a defense that could compete. You don't want to lose the key guy who helped put this all together like that. that not now. Right. You they just don't want to lose too. that guy. Yeah. The, the, you don't know what the defense looks like without him. It's kind of scary when you got all these guys developing. So figure this out. What else can you say? Figure it out, Brian Dable. Figure it out, Joe Shane. John Mara, figure it out. Sit down with that man and make it work. If you can't make it work, that is an indictment on you guys. Yep. And I think the other thing that again that kind of made me again believe, by the way, 42 nothing Raiders now. So there you go. Um first half still. But uh another thing that made me believe in this still rumor, the first half? Yeah, still the first half. 31 seconds left. Um <laughs> but the other thing that kind of made me believe this rumor is you know, where first time we heard Wink Martindale talk after all this Glazer stuff came out, and it seemed like he was, you know, positioning himself to like, hey, give me a raise or I'm retiring. That's what it sounded like to me, because when they were talking to him, he goes like, look, the same it's been for the last 22 months, which is the same another line that uh, Joe Shane used. And I, you know, I, I think I mentioned on here, like that seemed like a a lawyer answer. Like, yeah, it's it's always been like this. Just it's always been. Not great. Bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but losing's made it worse, which is what he's essentially said. Uh but he said, like, yeah, I wanna be here, but like I would love a raise. Don't we all want raises? He's like, But right. you know, also I could take my golf clubs and go to Florida at the end of the year. So I think, you know, the way he kind of set that up is like, Look, guys, you want me to stay, you gotta you gotta pay up. Otherwise, I'm I have no problem just retiring. I you know, I've I've been doing this for a long time. I'm in my sixties, like I'm happy. I'm happy to do that too. So you know, make your choice. So yeah, to me, I think you give you give Wink Martindale a raise. You know, say you did a great job. You earned this raise, but also here it is to like put up with this like this this stuff right now and give us a chance to get it right. Like for that as well. And Brian Dable ultimately has to get it right, man. Like, look, Brian Dable is a great players coach. We hear that all the time. They, that players love him. He grew, he builds these relationships with the players that even though he's tough, that he has such a good personal relationship with these players. It doesn't matter. He's tough on them. It's different with coaches and he needs to learn that that's not going to work with every coach. And you need to adjust how adjust your style uh, as a coach to, you know, make it work. That's, that's your job. And, you know, I likened it to Tom Coughlin who, you know, lost the best player in his team on his team in Tiki Barber, at least on his offense. And, you know, he had to look in a mirror and, you know, change his approach as a coach. You know, he remained himself, 
but he changed his approach because it was it was becoming toxic to the team. So um, that's what Brian Dable has to do to at and and they have to figure out a way to get these guys to give him a second chance. It's on him, man. This is a this is another test of, of a head coach, right? It's not the X's and O's sometimes. It's stuff like this. It's personnel management, personality management, uh, coaching management. So it's a big test for Dave, but we'll see what happens. But that's going to be the story that hits us immediately after the season's over. We're less than a month away, really, from a lot of these stories becoming like the big, big, big story because they're going to lead into the final week with this stuff. Yep. So, so buckle up. So, um, one other thing. Anything else? Yeah. Go ahead. What do you What do you feel about Mike Kafka? Where do you stand on on his situation now? Well, you well, first of all, I think you know you know how I feel about him, particularly as a Giants coach. I want him to stay. I think he's done a great job. No matter what a lot of people try to sell, I think he's done a great job. Um, I, I guess, you know, it was his camp that released the story that they were probably on the way out. Now it was like a while ago. Now, like a month, it feels like an eternity ago. And the Giants have been winning since then. Yep. And I think that does potentially change the possibility of him staying. But of course, that depends on. You know, it depends on certain factors, like. Why were the stories out that he might be going? Were they because he thought he was going to get fired because of the performance of the team and he was being blamed for it? Or did he think he's going to go because he doesn't want to stay here either? Kind of like the wing situation. You know, that's, I think I'm still not sure which way to go. He's, he's a quiet guy. We're not hearing much. Um, I would say it's 50-50 that Kafka stays, honestly. Yeah, probably about there. I, you know, I think it's coin flip, like whether or not he stays. And a lot of that maybe depending on what happens with Wink, to be honest. Um, but with the wing thing, we had said a few weeks ago, we think it's 90, 10, he's gone. Have I changed my mind on that? I think a little bit, maybe a glimmer of hope with what he said. Yeah. That, you know, basically saying, Hey, you want me to stay, pay me a lot of money, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, so maybe like 70, 30 that he goes at this point, you know, yeah, but I think there's a, there's at least a reasonable chance. Yeah. So I, I think it's 50, 50 for Kafka, 70, 30 for Wink that in favor of them still not being here, at least, well, even, even for Kafka, but 70% chance that Wink is not here, but that's better than what I thought a couple of weeks ago. So the one thing I'll say about Kafka is, uh, you know, if Brian Dable wants Kafka gone, I think that's a mistake. First of all, um, that's different, but if it's a situation where Kafka just, you know, wants to make a lateral move. If if this is toxic, like, like Wink, then that's a different story. But we haven't necessarily heard that. It might He might not be happy, but we haven't heard that it's, like, toxic. To me, just you just don't let him make that move. He signed as a contract to be your coordinator, and look, that's, that's just the NFL. That happens. I mean, like, Brian Dable wanted to go to the Giants and be the coordinator of Joe Judge. The Bills let that happen? No. And, the, you know... There's been situations in the past that are like much worse than that before they opened up the where you had to allow your position coaches to be allowed to interview for coordinator jobs. They used to be able to block that. I remember Stefanski after Shermer uh, left to become the Giants head coach. Uh, Shermer wanted to make him the offensive coordinator here, and instead they blocked that and then hired a different offensive coordinator in Minnesota. Mm. And, you know, it happened. He stayed and he ended up the coordinator. You know, there is uh LaFleur, uh, Matt LaFleur, his bro- he wanted to hire his brother to be his offensive coordinator mm. in green Bay. And, uh, and Shanahan said, no, he said, you're my passing game coordinator. I'm not letting you go. And he was allowed to do that back then. So like, look, it's, 
it might not like if he wants to leave and you stop it. Like I know it's kind of like that's not the the best culture, but at the same time, that's just kind of the NFL. You can't you're not allowed to just take a, a lateral move because you want to take a lateral move. So ultimately, right. you know he need you know again Brian Dable needs to look in a mirror and do a better job at uh you know coaching be working with his coaches. That that's a that's a non-starter, but unless this is to like a wink Martindale level toxicness, just because he would prefer to leave doesn't mean you, you let him go just for that reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think he, he has an opportunity to bring back both of these guys. Yeah. And I think that should be the goal, especially if, if they do make the, I think correct call of going and getting their own quarterback, because you want to have Kafka there to help develop the quarterback and you want wink there to stabilize the other side of the ball. Um, while that de- quarterback develops, you don't want instability on both sides of the ball. So, I, I think it's imperative they bring them both back, or at least make their best effort to. I agree. All right. You got anything else on on giant news? Or are you ready to go into this mock draft, man? Yeah, I'm ready to do the mock draft if you're ready. Let's do it. All right. So before we get into it, uh, we're going to use the PFF uh, module, the their mock draft simulator. Um, we're going with the standard setup for for settings which is basically uh unless you want to do you want to play with this at all or do you want to leave it as is no let's just leave it as is the same one that everybody else gets when they do it so we'll just kind of keep it where it is all right uh the giants pick eighth in this class and like i said before they have seven total picks they have right now three in the top 50 Uh, they have their own first their own second and the seattle second um, and I think we're going to try to get into some detailed discussions about draft strategy, who we can take where, um, the kind of players they'll end up passing on. We're talking about that as we do pass on them. So we'll we'll kind of organically see how it goes. But I think we want to make this a little bit more of a robust discussion of of the athletes and the players that are coming that are going to come across at every position that we are every position that we uh, draft at. So do you want to hit the hit the simulator and get started? Yeah, so yeah, let's just dive on into it. Um, all right, start the draft. All right, got Drake May, number one, Caleb Williams, number two, Olufashano, three, Marvin Harrison, four, Malik Neighbors, five, Brock Bauer, six, and Jerzon Newton, seven. So this this is where we sit on the board. Um, you know, what what's going through your mind now? All right, so we know the top two quarterbacks are off the board. We know Marvin Harrison Jr. is off the board. We know um, – now you said – did Joe Alt go out too? Or yeah? Joe Alt's still here. Malik Neighbors is off the board. Brock Bowers is off the board. All right, so Bowers and the and the two wide receivers, uh, MHA and Neighbors, are off the board. So all the blue chip prospects outside of Joe Alt are basically off the board at this point, plus Sergeant Newton. Um, yep. The defensive tackle from Illinois, who we both love, who is definitely the top – interior defensive lineman in this class we're at the pick we're at the eighth pick the top two quarterbacks are gone you if anybody who has listened to either one of us on this pod or on twitter spaces or on anything knows we have been banging the drum the new york giants have a day one quarterback problem at least i've been saying that over and over and over again mm-hmm. i'm not going to change my view on that as we do our mock draft the giants have a day one quarterback problem so any way you slice it, we cannot end this round without a quarterback. So strategy one, just take one right here. Strategy two, get cute and either take somebody else here or and try to trade back into the first round or 
trade down from here and try to get your quarterback later. So before we take the pick, what do you think about any one of those strategies? So just in general, I'd say for the sake of this mock draft, we're going to avoid trades, but the discussion is still worth mentioning. Um, The way I look at it is, for example, if we were at pick three and we couldn't get in the top two and we had an opportunity to take Marvin Harrison Jr. I'd obviously look to see what we can get in a trade back there. But I would have been fine with taking Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, risking your your court, you know, knowing it's a deep quarterback class risk losing a guy you prefer and paying, you know, your two top 50 second round picks come back up. I think for a player like Marvin Harrison Jr. to team him up with a rookie quarterback, that type of risk is worth it, although risky and, you know, uh, not your ideal situation. But I think even for Malik Neighbors, but especially here with a guy like Roma Dunes or Joe Alt, I I wouldn't make those type of risks for those guys. Um, right. I You could trade down, but if the idea is to trade down to get your quarterback, in my opinion, you just take your quarterback. That's how I view. You're not getting a. You're, well, you're going to get a third to trade down. You risk losing your your quarterback three. I I don't see the the. I don't see the point here. How do how do you feel about trades here? Yeah, I agree. I think um, there is a difference of drafting anywhere from three to five versus sort of that six to eight range because you are going to miss out on access to the true true blue chippers in this class. And when you're not take when you don't have access to them, there's not much thought process here about trying to take one of them and trade back up and get somebody that, you know, that's a dangerous game. If you're trying to get a quarterback, um, you could still consider the trade down scenario. If you're thinking, man, this is a deep draft class and I don't have to drop far. Like I can go from eight to 10 or eight to 12 or something and get an extra second round pick or something like that. Right. Or, or something along those lines. Um, and I'm confident that my quarterbacks are not going to be get taken in that area. Uh, that is a scenario that I can see play out, but I think, like you said, it's real risky. Like the value of moving down a few picks and getting a second round pick, it doesn't even come close to the the potential harm of losing out on a quarterback you value here. Yep. So, uh, from where we sit, I think the correct decision is just take the quarterback right here. So, I was I'm, I'm guessing we both agree here. Just take the quarterback at eight. I I agree, and you know I want to let our listeners and viewers know. Sal and I did not discuss what we're going to do for any other round, but we did discuss for the first round. And now we're saying for quarterback, I think, you know, anybody who watched or listened last week, you know, basically in the same situation, we went Jaden Daniels and we gave our reasonings why we like Jaden Daniels. We gave our reasons why we didn't, uh, why we don't, don't like him. And we still probably stand like he is, as far as the entire draft community goes, he's going to be looked at as the QB three, and he's probably would be the pick here. With that said, um, you know, there's a chance he could go before this pick. Uh, he didn't in this situation, but I could easily see a team like the Raiders go, go for Jaden Daniels. They very much need a quarterback. Then also we kind of decided for the sake of not just repeating ourselves and saying the same thing we said to you guys last week, we wanted to go in a different direction this week. So uh, why don't you tell them the direction we're thinking, Sal? Yeah, we're going to piss a bunch of you off. <laughs> we're taking a quarterback. The quarterback, the, the New York Giants with the eighth pick of the 2024 draft select. J.J. McCarthy, quarterback, the University of Michigan. 
Uh, so this will piss a bunch of people off, but you and I are both higher on him, I think, than most of our friends are on Twitter and a lot of the consensus draft community. Um, why are we going with J.J. McCarthy here? Well, number one, it's boring to do the same pick as last week. That doesn't that doesn't sound too interesting. Uh, but mainly because we like the guy. So J.J. McCarthy is 20 years old. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He has all the requisite traits and talent that you look for in a young quarterback, especially in one that you're going to be putting into a Dable offense. He's big. He's about 6'3", 6'4". He's not very... He doesn't have a lot of weight on him yet, but he's gaining a lot of weight. He went from like 180-something to like over 200-something pounds this year. And like I said, he's 20. He's growing. He has an NFL arm. That's the biggest thing here. Um, he can make every throw on the field, and he can make it with He can make it with oomph. The guy has a fastball. He has a heater that he can throw outside the numbers, down the field. So he can make every throw with incredible arm strength. He has arm talent. We've seen pinpoint accuracy from this guy. On throws, he he knows how to read and beat zone. By everything we hear, the dude is, it's kind of like a, a playbook rat. Like he lear- he's a learner. His coaches love him. He's you know, he has a lot of like the at least the the sound and buzzwords of like the intangible traits. But the reason we like him is because he has extraordinarily physical skills and traits. That's what we're betting on here. A young guy with an incredible arm, great arm talent, a lot of speed and athleticism. He can be a running option. He can be a passing option. He's the kind of player that I can see Brian Dable saying, give me that guy because I can work with him. I can coach him up. If I can coach up Tommy DeVito, what can I do with this kid? So that's how I'm looking at it. What's your thought process? Absolutely. Um. Yeah, man. I mean, we'll get into some of the downsides of J.J. McCarthy, but I think a lot of people, at least the way I see it, don't have an accurate view on J.J. McCarthy. And I, and I don't blame them because I had a very similar view of him before I really dove in. I, I think a lot of people, basically because of his offense, I think, kind of see him as a as a game manager type who really lacks a ceiling. But I, I, I think that could be further from the truth to J.J. McCarthy. Like, J.J. McCarthy has a hose. Like, that guy can absolutely fire a football in. He reportedly runs somewhere between a 4-4 and a 4-5, and that does show up on tape. Like, when he gets loose, he's a very, very quick player. Um, he uses his athleticism to extend plays. He can make throws off platform and he is a great deep ball passer. I mean, it's not just like the short to intermediate stuff with him. I mean, he has, uh, you can see it right here. He has a 92.9 deep ball grade. He has, let's see, an adjusted completion percentage of 59.1. On 20, 20 yards or further he has an NFL passer rating of 29, 129.7. He has a big time throw rate of 27.7. Like he is a very good player uh, throwing the ball deep and that shows up. He's, he's good at all. He's good at the intermediate level. You see here with a 91.3. This is a very good player who's consistently gotten better and you know, one thing I mentioned to you, and I, I think I've mentioned it on another episode, is where I could see a pick like J.J. McCarthy get taken. I think it would it would come down to, I think, similar logic that this team used when they paid Daniel Jones. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in the way that they they didn't necessarily see it yet. And, you know, I didn't think projecting on a, you know, a, 
a fourth year 25 year old quarterback was a great idea but when we're projecting here on a 20 year old quarterback with traits what they basically alluded to is like i know this guy's gonna put in the work i know like i know he'll be here every single day i know he's a good a good teammate all that stuff i trust daniel jones the person and i think when everything i've heard about jj mccarthy i think they will get a very similar vibe with that where this guy from everything i've heard is just an absolute like workhorse like he apparently people were like is he is this dude's like parents pushing him into this and they were like talking like no like i try to like like slow him down but like he's just obsessed he he's he's wakes he's been since high school he's like wakes up at 6 a.m he's working all the through through the day so like he has you know the nfl like work ethic already and if you can get that to translate I think that's something that uh, will be on the minds of coaches when they when they talk to him. I agree. I I think that uh, you're in short. You're just betting on the traits in the person here, and you're doing it with conviction. And we're, this may age poorly, but you know he has the playoffs coming up against Alabama. If he has anything of a good showing there, and he and he gets his team to the national title game, his profile will rise. He's a guy who we believe that in the pre-draft process will rise, assuming he does declare. Yep. So I don't think it's insane. Like, I know people are, are looking at this and saying, well, how can you take him at eight? He's going to be there at 30-something. I don't think so. You know, if yeah. he declares, I'm, I'm willing to bet he's a first-round pick. And um, where in the first round is, is, you know, up for debate. These things can get funky on draft day. But he will be looked at as somebody who I think teams will view as somewhere between QB three and four. So taking him in this range, I don't think it's completely insane. but. We did it mainly for the purpose of saying we're committing to the quarterback here. We've said it's a day one problem. Address it with the guy you want the most. Take him and then move on. So I think that's kind of all I have on JJ. you have any other thoughts on him before we move on to our second pick? Um, I want to talk just a little bit about the negatives to get to give people an idea. So some of the stuff that I saw about JJ that you know I do have questions about. Um, one is the offense that offense does has not really asked JJ McCarthy to be the guy and take over games. That's going to continue to be a question until, and if they ever allow him to do that. I think that is something that a lot of people are going to be worried about. And I think is a fair question to ask because um, I do think it, you know, it falls more onto just how the Michigan offense runs and, you know, he's not, he hasn't struggled when he's got when he's gotten the chance to take over games like but he doesn't get to do it for a, a lot or even the full game so you know that is something to keep an eye on and hopefully he gets that type of chance in the playoffs and we see it uh you know there he's inconsistency to his game still you know you can see some of these stats like bowling green he threw three interceptions versus bowling green he just had a bad game. He had a really bad game against Maryland. Like he's a young player and, you know, sometimes he's just, he doesn't look like he has it. And I think, you know, to me, I, I give, I give younger guys a benefit of the doubt that, you know, you, you still continue to get better at being more and more consistent as you go through, but, you know, can he get there? Is that, is that something where he's going to continue to have consistency problems? Then I don't know. And the last one, I actually, you know, I talked to you about 
today, which I was, or yesterday, whatever as I noticed, I was looking into um, J.J. McCarthy's numbers on certain parts of the field. And he was really interesting how much he struggled going to the left side of the field, which is something yeah. to monitor. Um, you know, deep, deep left, he, he did okay. I mean, he was five for 12, a touchdown, you know, for going deep, pretty solid. It's not bad, but going intermediate left. So between 10 and 19 yards, he is six for 14, one touchdown, one interception, a 56.5 NFL rating. And then short left, he was only 16 of 22 for, for, you know, zero to 10 yards. That's, that's not good. Um, 88.6 quarter, uh, quarterback rating or NFL rating. That's not great. And then he didn't attempt a single pass to the left behind the line of scrimmage. Not a single one. Um, you know, and I, I mentioned, I was, I was talking with my buddies and I, I went back and I looked and I saw it because I mentioned to him and he's been watching the tape recently and he mentioned how, you know, it seems like when JJ, even when he gets a completion, he's, he's opening his body up when he's throwing throwing to the left side and you know leads to some inconsistency in his passes and some miss some open guys so you know that is something that is fixable but needs needs to be fixed uh i know you had you had something else that you noticed too with that right yeah i think i told you this like a month or however long ago it was that we looked at the tape i said He's he's pretty wild on those short and intermediate to the left. I meant to the left, but to those throws where he was just throwing heaters. Mm-hmm. A lot of those those incompletions get into the receiver's hand and they get dropped. And they're not necessarily the, the receiver's fault. The guy's throwing it like a hundred miles an hour, like it's coming at them like it's on fire. And it, it it can be a difficult ball to catch, you know, because the guy I mean, he's all velocity. You know, he really he throws a lot of fastballs. And I noticed that he had that. So to me, that's a little different than like you're missing outside the numbers because you don't have the arm to get there, right? Yeah. Like there, there are guys who are inaccurate and miss on the outside the numbers because they just they're putting everything they've got to throw those outside the number of shots and they just don't have the strength or the, the accuracy when they do that. This guy's missing because he's just throwing the ball too hard. And like you mentioned, there are some mechanical things that need some coaching up, like just to make his base more front, like square and. Uh, less movement and just a more consistent release. I think he'll he'll fix a lot of these issues, but I do think he's going to have to learn how to not throw the heater on every single throw. That's something that I think we'll have to be coaching to him. Yeah. Um, but the other way to look at that is he has the arm talent to do these things, right? He ha- that, again, I'm looking at the trades and saying it's all there. It's just a matter of are you going to put it together with the coaching? Yep. And I and I think he's at a good place for his age, like. You know, again, it comes down to him being 20 years old and he has a lot of room that he still needs to grow. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh is a great coach and you can you can see it on tape where he does look well coached. You can see like in his like drop back, he looks it looks very natural. It looks very smooth. Um, He has a compact delivery like he he looks like a quarterback. And I don't think you're going to come in and have to turn around and unteach him like a ton of bad habits. There'll be some stuff, but with, you know, with other, other quarterbacks, I think you have to spend a lot of time unteaching things. And I don't, I didn't see that with JJ. I, I think it's no, more just continuing no. to develop him. Yeah. I think just NFL development is really what we're looking for. We're not, I don't think we have to undo a whole bunch of stuff. All right. So the pick is in. So the giants at the eighth pick overall, so like their quarterback day one problem addressed with their quarterback, J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. We've still got six picks to go, including two, for, two second round picks that are coming up. 
Um, the Giants' second uh, second round pick right now, first uh, second round pick is at their own pick at forty, I believe, right now. Um, and the next one is gonna, and the next one is the Seattle pick at forty five. This may be, I don't know if this is off a little. I've I've seen thirty nine forty four, but let's just do what they have here: forty and forty five. So at forty, we've taken our quarterback. What are our needs, and who's on the board? So. You know, the way this is listed, it says quarterback. We already have that offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, D-back, basically saying we have needs everywhere, which I, I don't disagree with. Um, you know, in my mind, I, I'm looking at wide receiver. I think that's something I'd love to get a trout wide receiver one here. Um, I would be open to the right offensive lineman here. I, th- I think there's a really good draft for offensive uh, tackles, and if they have – flexibility to come inside i think um that is something i'd look at uh edge rushers i think edge rushers is something that you know there's a pretty quick drop off in this draft i think it's pretty top heavy with edge rushers at least as far as i can tell it's still early in the process and then uh cornerback i think a cornerback is something that you should definitely be looking at here I'd be open to other things based off BPA, but that that's where I'm looking. What about yourself? Do you think that's yeah. about right? Yep. Again, another phrase I've had is it's quarter, quarterback day one and BPA the rest of the way. And for the most part, I, I feel that's the way we should do things. You should obviously consider positional value here and the strength of the draft class and depth. And these things actually do matter in strategizing this. Um, the wide receiver class is very deep. You could conceivably skip on the wide receiver here. And get him a few picks down the road. We're picking in five picks again. So, in my opinion, I'd narrow this down, um, depending on who's there, probably to the best wide receivers and the best offensive linemen and the best edge rushers. So, who's on the board there? What? T- t- first, start with the wide receivers. So, List off the top wide receivers. One thing I wanted to mention real quick before I get into that, I wanted to mention some guys that went off the board that I would have been interested in here, but are gone. You know, Leonard Taylor from Miami is a very good upside interior defensive lineman. Tyler Newbin, because very good safety. A.D. Mitchell is off the board. Very good wide receiver we could have considered here. Um, you know, Xavier Leggett is a wide receiver we both really like at the top of the second. He is off the board, but certainly consider him. Troy Fontenot is off the board. He's one guy that I know you and I very much would like to pick if he fell, but he did not. He went to the top of the second round, which you've mentioned concerneth is the further we fall in the first round, you know, that sucks, but more importantly, you're, you're missing out on the top of the second round. So, you know, Troy fought new fall goes early. Uh, Jalen Polk from Washington. A lot of good players here. Um, Chris Braswell was an edge rusher. I would have considered um, Terry and Arnold cornerback. So, a lot of really good players went off, and I skipped some there. So uh, it's tough. It's, there's a lot of good players in this draft, and they go quickly. But uh, like you said, so you want to start with the top wide receivers left? Yeah, let's go with the, the top few guys left at wide receiver. Okay. Because we're five picks away from our next pick, so let's play that game. So Xavier Worthy, who we we both had in our who we had in our wide receiver episode as a top five wide receiver going into the season. Uh, Lad McConkey. Brian Thomas Jr., Malachi Corley, Troy Franklin, Johnny Wilson. I'll, I'll cut it off there. I think I'm comfortable with any one of those top five guys, honestly. Um, 
Yeah. Xavier Worthy is might be the best pure receiver out of the batch. Uh, the downside with him is he's real thin. He's the guy who's the Texas receiver who's real thin. It's like a better, more amped up version of Jalen Hyatt, essentially, I would say. You know, a guy who runs better routes, and I think is a little more versatile than Hyatt, but has a similar frame, uh, takes some big hits, goes flying. Do I want a wide receiver room that has both Jalen Hyatt and Xavier Worthy? I think it's at least a, a question you should ask. Like, do you want two guys like that of that similar size frame makeup in your room? We talk about how wide receiver rooms are often best built like a basketball team where you have different types of guys there. So that's, but it's a possibility because he's a good receiver. Lad McConkey is a great receiver out of Georgia, really versatile guy, plays inside, plays outside, very productive, over three yards per route run. A lot of the metrics we look for, I mean, he's, he's, the data loves him. He's, when you watch Georgia games, he's solid. He's always around. He's finding spots in zone. He's a good receiver. You I improve your, with your room. I can see him getting like Puka Nakua comps being like the next Puka Nakua type thing this year. Um, very good. It's kind, it's, kind, it's kind of a modern day NFL receiver. We talk about that, right? Yep. And Lab McConkey fits that profile. A guy who's very versatile and can run really good routes, get separation, gets good yards per route run. Um, and then the other guys, I think I'm very comfortable with Brian Thomas Jr., the stud outside receiver at LSU. Had a monstrous year this year. He's being mocked often in the first round, but he, I can definitely see him falling to the early to mid-second. Um, who was the other one? Malachi Corley? Malachi Corley and Troy Franklin. Yeah, so Malachi Corley is baby Debo. Really? Um, you know, he plays like Debo. Everything is a screen. Everything is yak. And everything is him running people over. Great Number weapon one to have on your team. Yeah, great weapon to have on your team. Is this a guy I'm taking this early? Not really. Um, Troy Franklin, very similar to Xavier Worthy from Oregon. Um, X receiver, tall, skinny, 6'3", 185, I think. You know, slender frame for that size. Really good speed receiver on the outside. Has some issues with his weight and contested catches, but for the most part, he's a very reliable receiver on the outside, and he happens to be an outstanding route runner. Yes. Um, I'm a big he, fan. He's gonna get, yeah, he fits your Devonta Smith uh, profile, yeah. you know? It, so Him and him and uh, Hyatt would be a fucking track team. A skinny, um, skinny yeah, track but they would be but skinny. Yes. It's not, like I said, <laughs> I think Xavier Leggett would have been a great compliment here, but obviously he went off the board. So I'll say the way I'm looking at this right now, there's some really good options here. I don't know how you you feel, but I feel like we could uh, we could be addressing wide receiver five picks from now very easily and still be comfortable with players on the board. Hundred um, percent, I agree. So who are the O line? That would be the next priority, I think. Right? Sure. Who's, so, who's left here? So let's and we have very specific O linemen that we're looking for. We're looking for guys who can have versatility. I think that's important. Somebody who can play tackle and guard. Um, specifically guys who we think would project well as good run blockers and at right tackle. So who's out there? So we have Jordan Morgan. We both are big fans of. He was in our original offensive tackle episode. Patrick he, Paul, he definitely, Houston. Morgan definitely fits the role of some, you know, the mold of somebody who ha- can play tackle, but can also move inside to guard. He has the athleticism to be a guard in a, in a, in a moving offense where he's being asked to do a lot of zone blocks and move. So he's somebody I would consider here. Um, Chris Paul, I'm sorry, Patrick, Patrick Paul. That's Chris, yeah, it's Chris Paul's brother, right? Is, um, <laughs> yeah, I think he is. I think he's the brother really? of Chris Paul on the on the Commanders. Um, oh, I'm talking about alignment. No, 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 not that guy. The Commanders. Like much Chris taller Paul. than him. <laughs> yeah, I think it's his brother. Um, 
he's a very kind of lean framed rising offensive tackle. Um, I don't think either one of us loved him in the pre pre draft and the preseason process. I, I can't say I love him now. I think he's a good athlete. I think he's balanced and solid and he has upside and projection. So I can see why teams would like him. Not what I'm looking for. Cause I want somebody who has the versatility to play guard here. Right. So he's I'm not, six, seven. yeah, I'm not interested in that guy right now. Um, Tyler Guyton. He was in our first round of our, uh, of our last episode of 32. It's another guy. Another guy's like six, seven, 300 and something pounds, right tackle out of Oklahoma. Um, somebody we didn't talk about early, but we mentioned in the mock, very good right tackle, really solid, smooth feet, technically pretty sound. A lot, just another Oklahoma tackle that looks like he's going to make it in the NFL. Ton of athleticism. Um, yep. And then I would say um, the last guy I'd mention yeah. is King Kings. He's got another big, a really good athlete, but, um, the kid from Yale. Yeah. Uh, no, BYU. BYU. I'm sorry. King, Yale's the next guy, but Kingsley Suma. Tay or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. He's worth considering. He's supposed to be a very, very good athlete. But um, I don't know. I, I would say I'm not ready to commit to any of these guys. But if we we're going to take any, you and I are both big Jordan Morgan fans. I agree. Yep. He, he's somebody who I don't know. We've never seen play inside. But if I was going to guess any of these guys move inside, it would be him. I think his skills translate very nicely inside. And I think he can play on the outside. So, um, an- so if we're going to take somebody, that could be it. Let's look at some of the defensive guys before we make the pick. You know, let's yep. look at the edge room and the cornerback room. Let's start there because pass rusher or cornerback would be valuable here. It's a good spot to take one. So one guy we mentioned in our edge episode, JT Tumaloa. Uh, okay. He's, he's the BPA right now on the PFF board. He, mm-hmm. he had four sacks this year is a pass rush win rate of 14% true pass set pass grade of 72.8 passers grade of 78.1 run defense grade of 70.3. I think he's, I mean, I haven't gone back and look at his tape this year. Um, but these numbers seem very reminiscent of what we saw last year and maybe he's taken a big jump on tape. I haven't, I haven't gone back and checked that yet, but he was very much just like a solid all-around player last time we were talking about him, but we didn't really see him as a guy who was going to be like a an alpha. A difference maker. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I nothing here um, makes me think that. I So, I mean, I know Brugler was really high in him before. PFF's really high in him. Um, I think he's going to be a really good football player, but I, I don't necessarily – the fit and also if we manage to hold on to wink martindale he i i don't know if i like him in a three four i think he's more of a four three the end if we go and get leslie frazier maybe this is something we consider more but um personally uh not not a huge fan of that pick i wouldn't hate it but it's just i'm not the upside i'm looking for here what about you and yeah and i think this is where what they do in free agency is going to really determine how they may approach this here because the free agency class that we mentioned in Twitter spaces and other places is very strong at the defensive line. I mean, we have some really great defensive linemen and edge rushers who are hitting the market remnants of that great 2019 defensive class in the first round. You got guys like Brian Burns, uh, Josh Allen, Josh Uche, uh, Daniel Hunter. These guys are all going to be free agents. Now the, you know, Allen, I, we both expect Allen and uh, Brian Burns to get franchise tagged. Mm-hmm. 
um, and then we'll see what they do from there. But you're not going to get them, in, you know, access to them, at least on the open market freely. Some of the other guys will probably be there. Specific, Hunter will definitely be on the open market. He has, to be. Um, he, has he, he has a no tag clause, right? So you know, I, I would personally prefer the Giants get their, their extra edge rusher from that group. Invest the money in a guy for a few years. Pair him with Kayvon Thibodeau. Have Aziz Jalari as your number three. Rotating guy. You got a good room and you don't have to worry about it here. Um, but even if they don't, Monty, I don't think JT Tumalao is worth taking the pick. Yeah. You know, right here for your edge rusher. So um, I yeah. think you're basically down to Morgan and the receivers. Well, and, and the cornerbacks. Go ahead. Well, who are the cornerbacks for here? So there is one guy that I really want to talk about. So the top cornerbacks here are uh, TJ Tampa, who I believe you you did you we talk about TJ Tampa. I don't remember if we talked about him or not. We did not bring him up, but we considered going over him because he was such an athletic freak. TJ Tampa, um, six two, two hundred pounds. Um, he's a very 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 solid player. <laughs> out of Iowa state. Um, he, you know, he has that length that you look for. Um, he, I'm, I'm trying to remember all the stuff on him, but, um, he, 10% most drafted by the giants here. Interesting. Um, but I have another guy personally, I have my eyes, eyes on at corner. If we're going to go there. And this was, uh, my guy when we did the cornerback episode and that's Quinion Mitchell, Quinion Mitchell, has the highest grade among corners by PFF for, for two years in a row now. Obviously, plays at a smaller school, which is a huge reason for that. Um, he leads college football in forced, com- in forced incompletions for the second year in a row. He did the same thing last year. And there's something to be said about guys who consistently get their hands on the ball. Um, you know, at, at one point last year, I believe Quinny Mitchell either had three or four interceptions and one football game uh he is a fantastic athlete he made the feldman freaks list this guy is somebody who brugler put in his first round and going to the uh i don't forgot who he had going to but going the first round yeah i think i'm going to the eagles it's six foot 196 pounds this guy is uh Somebody who I imagine will, I, I would imagine would go to the senior bowl. And if it goes to the senior bowl, will be, it'd be a big riser because somebody who, when you see him going against competition of his level, I think he'll continue to dominate because he is from everything I've heard and tried to see not a ton of tape out there on Toledo, believe it or not. Um, it, he looks like a very good player. Um, this that that is one that interests me. I, I how what's your opinion on a Quinion Mitchell type player here? I would strongly consider Quinion Mitchell here. It depends on if Wayne Martindale is still our head coach or our, our defensive coordinator. I think that I think that's part of the decision making. I think it also depends on how they view these guys on you know later in day two or day three in terms of trying to get a cornerback too. Like do they find they think there are guys out there who they can move over. Or, you know, this class is very strong in uh, nickel corners. So do they view Cordell Flott as somebody that can slide over to the other outside corner? You know they flirted with that I- idea multiple times. So it depends on how they view their current group and how, you know, really how they might approach free agency to some extent. Um, 
and the rest of this class. So as much as I'm intrigued by him, I don't think I would pass up on the receivers or the linemen here because I do think there's a bit of a drop-off in the talent, especially at linemen, uh, for what our needs are as we go past this point. Um, so I'm kind of leaning towards either receiver or lineman here. What about you? Are you leaning towards cornerback? I, I would probably lean towards Quinion Mitchell or Jordan Morgan. That's probably where I'd lean at this point because, again, we can – we can wait a little bit and get that wide receiver the next pick, and I'm, I'm going to be committing it there. But to me, I'm trying to decide between Mitchell and Morgan. I'll say one more thing on Mitchell. I pulled it up because so he was 46 on the Feldman Freak list. He um, is six foot, 200 pounds. He benched 225, 21 times. He squatted 440 pounds, and he had a top speed of 23.58 miles per hour in GPS this summer. And he ran the 40-yard dash in the four threes twice in front of NFL scouts. He's going to test off the charts. Um, yeah. So yeah, and he'll probably I, go. He'll probably go in this range. You know, late first round, early to mid second. Like that's probably where he's going to be. So what? Do you, so what do you think? I'm probably I'm good with. I, You're I would partial say, towards him. I would say Mitchell or Morgan. I'm fine with going Morgan if 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 you're leaning Morgan and wide receiver or wide receiver. I think we can wait on wide receiver um, here because we're picking in five picks. Exactly. Um, and so who's picking after us? Let's take a look at the board. Between uh, the forty-four, the 40th and the 45th pick, we have um, Titans, Chargers, Falcons, Eagles. Yeah. So I that there's a couple of teams in there that could use a lineman. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Titans and Chargers specifically could use a lineman. Um, and Morgan could fit them very nicely, especially a tackle uh, like Morgan. Um, I personally think that I would take my lineman here. And I, I know this is not a very deep class in outside corners, but like I said, I think I have to trust that Wing Martindale is going to know what to do with these guys, that Jerome Henderson is going to take some of the talented guys you can get on day three, including maybe a really good nickel corner and slide Cordell Flott over and try it. You don't have to fix everything here. You know, you don't have to fix the whole team in one draft. You got to go BPA. In my opinion, BPA, positional value. Morgan is near the top of that list here. He's a smooth left tackle. He can kick inside to guard. We could use a guy who can do both of those things, right? Yeah. Especially if we're taking a new quarterback. I think you want to solidify that line, have have more talented players to work with, and hopefully we have a new coach. So my, my vote here is Jordan Morgan, Monty. Sounds good. I'm fine with going Jordan Morgan. One more thing I'll mention before we we put in that pick is similar to what you said with Edge. I think it's a very good free agency class to go out and get a guard with some tackle versatility. We've mentioned a Michael Wenwu. We've mentioned a Robert Hunt. So if you went out and do that, that might change my opinion on the pick here. Absolutely. Yep. But for this case, we'll just go ahead and pull the trigger on Jordan Morgan. Yeah. It's hard to do without knowing what they did in free agency. Um, but that's a great point. You would approach it differently. So let's take Jordan Morgan there. So now our top two picks are our quarterback, J.J. McCarthy from Michigan at, uh, in the first round. And we have, with our first, second round pick, we have his new right tackle, presumably, Jordan Morgan. He played left tackle in college, but I think he's he's very translatable to the right side. He's got a good balance. And, or he could play left guard. And Jordan Morgan was number three on our offensive, out of our offensive tackle in our episode that we did a, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, some of the things we mentioned for him, we said he had a good zone scheme fit. We said he plays low. He anchors well, is a good punch. He has competitive toughness. He moves well, natural balance and flexibility. 
Um, worth mentioning, he was early, he was injured a lot early in his career. He had injuries 2020, 2021, and 2022. He had an ACL in 2022. He's been healthy this year, so that's good. Um, right. He's, he's got to pass the medicals for them to take him this high. Yep. He's pound for pound, really strong. Um, doesn't always have the best pop, but maybe more of a technique thing. Active hand, anticipates defender's hands, doesn't wait for defenders to come to him, anticipates stunts and twists, lateral agility versus inside move. He can destroy on pulls, and it has more of a wind-up on his punch. So those were some of the notes I had from our uh, from our offensive line episode. So just to give you an idea of uh, New York Giant, Jordan Morgan. Yeah. Perfect. Um, All right. Um, let's go to the next pick. Then. What, who, what, so did you enter the pick? Yep. So, All right. who went, so off who went after us? Yeah. Xavier Worthy was the next pick. JT Tuomala yeah. was the pick after that. Carson Beck, then Landon Jackson. Interesting. So okay, so the, so the wide receivers are largely still there. Yeah, um, and so is your cornerback. Um, so now it gets interesting. So the wide receiver. Can you just re- recap who's still on the board from the wide receiver room? Sure. So from the wide receiver room, we have Lad McConkey, Brian Thomas Jr., Malachi Corley, and Troy Franklin. Okay. Out of that group, the Giants have a speed receiver already who is developing his route tree in Jalen Hyatt. And I think he's a guy who can play in the slot and kind of play like that Z type role. Um, I don't think I view him as a true X receiver on the outside all the time. Um, More of a versatile receiver where he lines up. You have Mondell Robinson who has become just a a real weapon as a slot receiver. Um, Amazing route runner right now. And he's picking up tons of yak. He's he's showing you what his skill set is and why a lot of us like him coming out of Kentucky. What the Giants are really missing is an X receiver here, a guy who can stretch the field and and be strong at the catch point, a guy who can run some good routes, but really kind of occupy the number one cornerback on the other team. There are two guys on that list who stand out. One is Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, and the other one is uh, Troy Franklin from Oregon. Would you agree? Those are the two guys you'd be looking at here. Those are the guys. I mean, they're both you know a little bit more slender players. Uh, Troy Franklin more than Brian Thomas. So, but I think they both can, can fill that role, especially if they can build out their frame a little bit more. So out of the two, I know, I think we're going to have a different opinion on who we would take. I would probably take Brian Thomas Jr. here. So I'd take Troy Franklin. I'll tell you why. And I, and I'm open to both. I'm a big fan of both players and I'll, I'll play a little bit to something that, that you feel wide receivers too. I think Troy Franklin, from what I've seen, is a much better route runner. And I yeah. lean on route running in wide receivers. That's probably my number one trait I look for in these guys. I think for a guy of Troy Franklin's size of you know, 6'3", 187, and yes, he's very skinny and that probably plays into why he moves so well, but he moves very well for a guy of his height. Um, he has incredible production, what, 13 uh, 1,383 yards on and 14 touchdowns. All the metrics me- are are there for him. He's one of the best deep ball receivers in the country, as is Brian Thomas. Um, 3.32 yards per yards per route run. Um, he does have a, some contested catch rate issues. Um, some drop issues. So, so that is that is something worth considering against him. But um, I, I although. 
he does have a lot of similarities to uh to Jalen Hyatt. They're both very thin, kind of taller speedsters. I think Troy Franklin has um has the route running to really come in and be an immediate difference maker in the NFL. I just think he's a better player, but I think they're both really close. Um so what why why would you go Brian Thomas here? Uh, mainly because of you know the whole basketball theory of the room that you want a guy who fits that X receiver mold here if you can get him. You know Brian Thomas is six four two oh five, bigger stronger guy uh, than Troy Franklin, more physical in his play style. I, I would say yep. he's still a good route runner. I don't think he's a bad route runner. He's a good route runner. He's not as good as Troy Franklin, and he's not as explosive as Troy Franklin. But he's the he's the guy that runs down the sideline or runs posts runs crossers and he's dragging the safety and you can throw him a competitive ball. He's very good at getting those competitive balls. Yeah. Uh, and in the NFL, you can contest the catch rate really good. Right. And I think we lack a guy like that unless Darren Waller stays healthy. Um, and we don't know what the future of Darren Waller is. I think we definitely like a guy like that on the outside. So that's what I'm looking for. Although I like your theory of the case that, you know, you, you fill your roster up with guys who can run rounds. You know, you need you do you still do you do need guys who are versatile and can run rounds and do things with some precision because we just draft a quarterback whose calling card is going to be precision accuracy against zone and things like that, right? That's his that's kind of his game. And he has and he has a strong arm. So having a guy who's gonna be where he needs to be is very important. So I'm good with either one. I kind of pushed on the Jordan um on the Jordan Morgan pick on the last one. I'll let you have the last word on this. I'm equal on either one of these guys. So if we're going to take a wide receiver, if you want to go with Troy Franklin, I think that's a solid pick here. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely torn here a little bit, but I, I kind of do hear hear you out there. And, you know, he's a bigger guy with the contested catch rate. Um, that's something that, uh, that Troy Franklin kind of lacks from his game. And although I am going to take the route runner, in most occasions, like you said, Brian Thomas is not a bad route runner. This is not Jordan Addison versus Quentin Johnston here, as I see him on my screen. This, these are two very good players. Neither of them who seem to to lack um lack ability as wide receiver and has had a ton of success. We know one thousand seven one thousand seventy nine yards and fifteen touchdowns as the as a clear wide receiver two on his roster. He still produced like that, so. I'm buying on Brian Thomas here. Let's let's go ahead and uh, put in Brian Thomas, and we'll go into the third round. All right. Before you do, do you want to look? Would you take Quinion Mitchell here? I mean, you made a case for him um, four picks earlier. He's on the board. What do you think about just taking him? So Quinion Mitchell is a really good pick here. I mean, I think he's a guy. I think out of all the guys that we've talked about so far, he has the most star potential. I think. More than Jordan Morgan, more than JT Tuomolo, more than Troy Franklin, more than David Worthy, whoever. I think Quinian Mitchell obviously has some floor uh, problems too because of the competition he's played at, but he's an amazing athlete. I imagine that there's going to be he's going to translate. Um, certainly a guy that I think is worth considering here. But if we feel like wide receiver is a big need, there's a lot of there's multiple good choices here as we talked about. The question is. I think partially we wait to the third round. Are there players that were interested enough in waiting? Can maybe a Johnny Wilson make it? Would we be interested in a Tez Walker 
would you be interested in a Jalen McMillan, a Roman Wilson, a Ricky Purcell? Like, um, how would you feel about those players being the top wide receiver that you take them taking this draft? If we skipped out on it here, I would be fine with a lot of those guys at the top of round three. If we decided to go defense here. Um, but I will acknowledge one big important thing that I think Troy Franklin is better than those other guys. Um, he's a better route runner and a more explosive player. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that I criticized Dave Gellman for is he drafted Daniel Jones. He identified him as his guy. He had just traded Odell Beckham Jr. away. And he had a chance to draft, you know, one of many, many good wide receivers still on the board. And he took Dexter Lawrence at 17, which ended up being a fantastic pick. But then he traded up from the second round uh, into the first round to take DeAndre Baker. And the players he passed up on are guys like A.J. Brown and Devo Samuel and D.K. Metcalf and Terry McLaurin and Deontay Johnson and on and on and on. I think it is important to pay. I know it's painful, right? <laughs> you think yeah. about it. Um, I think if you're committing to a young quarterback here, you would be remiss to not get a high-end talent wide receiver for him. And I think if you believe that a guy like Brian Thomas Jr. completes your receiver room or makes it more complete, um, think about the receiver room you'd be handing this this kid coming in, right? Because um, this draft is basically about this quarterback. It's about getting him and then building the team around him, at least starting to build the team around him. You've added a tackle now who can play and handle his, his front side at right tackle or be a swing tackle if need be, or play guard. So you've improved the O-line room, hopefully, right? You've added some talent there. If you add a guy like Brian Thomas Jr., you're, in my opinion, you're, you're creating the basketball team. You're giving the kid the big target over the middle in Darren Waller. You're giving him the H-back in Daniel Bellinger. You're giving him Saquon Barkley. I, I think he's going to be here. You're giving him the speed receiver down the field in DeJalen Hyatt, the route running slot specialist in Wondell Robinson. And now you have the big physical outside receiver in Brian Thomas who can win in both speed and physicality. That's a pretty complete room, right? I mean, if you think about it, that's a pretty complete room. And I think you'll very quickly be able to assess everything about this quarterback once you get him out up, you know, out there. Can he read defenses and can he make use of these weapons? It's you're not going to have to wait five years again to figure this out. I think you want to try to get this guy his weapon. So long-winded way of saying, I think, of saying get the kid his weapon right now and finish yeah. up this room. Yeah, I think I think you sold me. I was starting to lean back to Quinton Mitchell, but you really made the case there that you 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 support the quarterback when you just drafted him, which we did. We spent our you know a very high pick on him. The, the one thing, just to chew on a little bit here, that I was thinking while you said that, um, it, and this might just be fanfare and this might be irrelevant, but just something I thought of a player that I mentioned who I really like if we waited here is a guy in Roman Wilson, who I think yeah. probably is more of a slot guy and, pro and is more a speed guy and probably doesn't fit the basketball theory as well. But is JJ McCarthy, who we drafted number one weapon at Michigan, is that something that you would would consider as just the, having mm -hmm. the natural connection there or is that yeah. more just like oh that'd be cool like but it doesn't really matter that much i think i would consider it but i don't think i would consider it over a higher end talent like thomas 
Yeah. And I do think Brian Thomas is a significant upgrade in talent versus Roman Wilson, at least right now as a prospect. So um, I think J.J. McCarthy will be just fine with Brian Thomas as his outside receiver. Let's pull the trigger. Let's grab Brian Thomas. We spent a lot of time all on right. that pick, and I think we all good conversations. Quinian Mitchell, the next pick to the Rams. There you go. <laughs> all right, so let's let's take a break for a second. So our we we had three top fifty picks. We got our quarterback round one. We haven't we haven't traded anything yet, by the way, guys. Took our quarterback that we have conviction in, and JJ McCarthy number you know in the first round. We took his his new tackle slash guard potentially to upgrade the room with the next pick in the second round. And we took a new wide receiver to complete the room with the next pick. So in literally in three picks, I think we've hit some major areas of deficiency for this organization, like right off the bat. And I'm assuming going into this, that our defense stays somewhat intact in terms of the coordinator status, and we're still building on it. And hopefully they make some investments in free agency to improve it. But now we are in a position to really just start going BPA, right? And just build out this roster, make it a damn good roster. I think it's beginning to come together. So we still have four picks to go. Um, so our next pick is, I believe, somewhere in the 60s, right? 72. <clears throat> oh, okay. We're all, see, 72. All right. So this is the top of the third round. Um, we haven't gone defense yet. Let's see what we've got at the top of the board here. So here's some names that scream out to me when I, when I see them right here. Um, Trey Benson was one of our top running backs. He's here at the third round. Jeremiah Trotter, who is both our linebacker Ooh. one, is sitting right here. Johnny Wilson. I think we already won mm. a wide receiver, but worth mentioning, if we didn't go wide receiver, no, you got you, this is the a prototype guy. He has his issues. He's you know, he needs to develop still, but six seven, two hundred and thirty-seven pounds. This is, you know, probably the tallest wide I don't even think probably I think is the tallest wide receiver since Harold Carmichael. Like very, very physical guy, um, has some drop issues, but uh, you know he's a he's a prototype in, 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 as uh, of the big wide receiver. Um, he's a basketball team if theory for sure guy. Um, but that's why we didn't pick him last round because he's still here. Um, and then the other two people who pop uh, pop off here to me, Ruka Roro. Um, Interesting. He was on our interior defensive line episode. And then uh, Jack Sawyer and Jack Sawyer, unlike JT Tuomola, his his numbers have been great this year for an edge. He's pass rush grade 86.8, run defense grade 87.1, true pass, pass set rush grade 84.7, pass rush win rate 17.4%. He has five sacks, nine QB hits, 16 hurries. He He's had a really, really good year and it's kind of taken that next step and he's out kind of that all-around player, and I think in a Wink Martindale system with his versatility, if he's still here, that's definitely a guy worth considering. Um, so, But anyway, mm-hmm. what what are some names that popped off to you here? Uh, so Jack Sawyer definitely pops off. Arugororo, Jeremiah Trotter. I think this is going to depend on who's our who's our defensive uh, coordinator. Yeah. I, I really agree. I really think that's going to – that's really going to affect this pick here. Um, if we need a third linebacker that is a, you know, in a, in a four, three type system, I think the pick is easily Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Here, He's the clear BPA to me. I mean, this was, this was a guy that we loved, absolutely loved when we, when we did this, his teammate, Barrett Carter was number one on our, in our linebacker episode, just because we tried to do consensus, but 
um, me and you both talked about with Jeremiah Trotter. He was R one. We saw him. I mean, his his father was was uh, was an NFL player, and you know you can see that in his game where he plays so instinctually, and he has the linebacker frame. He I have some notes on he fills lanes low with power. Great fundamental tackler. Sniffs out screens. Floats well in zone coverage. High IQ. Plays calm. Uh, not not a not a great athlete, but um, and lacks some height, a weight and length. But like just a very solid all around football player. So uh, really, really like Trotter. But I think we have to kind of decide here if we think. Wink Martindale is going to be here or not, and uh, if we make would make that pick. So defensive lineman, the best player available, sounds like it's Rupa Roro. Um, worth mentioning, you know, he was also on our list. Another Clemson player like Jeremiah Trotter Jr. He's he's a pretty classical three tech, six four two ninety five, little undersized for undersized for defensive lineman, but a good three tech, very athletic, very agile, gets into the backfield gets skinny and gets in there. He's just solid. I don't think there's anything explosive or elite about him in terms of traits, but I think this is a very solid defensive tackle. So if you wanted to pair Dexter Lawrence with a guy who could just be a solid three tech, who can, you know, do be an all around three down lineman. Um, Aurora, you could make a strong case for here. Did five sacks this good? year. It's really good, you know, for a defensive lineman. Um, so you're talking about improving your pass rush. I think that's an, forget about this position. How can the giants improve their pass rush at this position? Cause I think this is an ideal place to start thinking about that. Um, I think between a Rook, Aurora, between Rook Aurora and Jack Sawyer, it's a tough call. Um, again, it comes down to how they handle things, but I'll tell you what, as I'm sitting here talking about it and thinking about it, I'm thinking about the, the best teams in football. They don't reach for need. Um, they take the best player available, right? And they say, well, we'll figure it out. Like, we just have a great football player. We'll put him on our team. We'll figure it out. We can trade people. We can move guys around. But just talent is talent, right? Yep. And needs change very I, quickly. Needs change quickly. But, but talent is talent. My vote goes to Jeremiah Trotter Jr. here. I, I think that's where I go to, but I do have one more guy that I noticed that I wanted to bring out to you. We mentioned Rukororo, who we talked about on our original episode. I'll you know I'll I'll mention some notes for our listeners here. What we had on him. Let's see. Um, let's see. He we said he was a uh, joined started playing football in 2017. He was a basketball player before. He had a sack in the Orange Bowl. We had a little bit less notes on this guy, but he was, you know, a, a guy who was kind of newer to the game, was still developing. But another guy from that episode I just noticed here, um, and this guy, we we called an Andre Patterson guy in that episode, and that's Mason Smith from LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so he's on the board. Yeah, six six, three hundred and fifteen pounds. He was. Um, let's bring up some of the notes on him. He was a five star recruit. He was second only to Leonard Taylor in his class. Um, he, this guy, you know, had, had a really good fr- uh, freshman year, and then he had he got to believe he dropped off. Let's see, yeah, or no, no, that wasn't what I'm thinking. Regardless, 
Jason Smith is a is a proto. Well, no, he 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 tore his ACL. If it is that's right. Remember his first game. He he was he had a phenomenal first year, and then in his coming into his sophomore year, whenever he was looking for him to take a leap, in his first game against uh, Florida State, he tore his ACL. That's right. Yeah, uh, and he he had a good year a as Florida, a freshman. It's Florida State, yeah, for yeah. a freshman. I mean, he was only a fifty-seven point two PFF grade, but as a true freshman who was getting snaps, he had four sacks and 12 hurries on for right. an interior defensive line position. And mm-hmm. it looks like he's had a pretty good year. I mean, he struggled in run defense, but he had 8.8 pass rush win grade, true pass set rush grade of 81.6 and 74.8. You know, one thing we mentioned with him was that this is one of the guys that, you know, Andre Patterson's clearly really values height in his defensive lineman. You've seen it with DJ Davidson. You've seen it with Jordan Riley. They, they, they value height and weight in these guys and a six, six, 315 pound guy. Mason Smith is, is truly uh, somebody I would love for Andre Patterson to get his hands on. Yeah. It's an interesting and intriguing thought. Um, here's my argument against it. We're watching the post Leonard Williams experiment at defensive line right now play out it's really not bad yeah. um you know you're watching the rotational guys the rotation of guys like Ashawn robinson and nacho um you know gj davison before he got hurt you know like these guys are coming in and they're 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 handling their job next to next to uh dexter lawrence and dexter lawrence missed a couple of games you know with the injury they're doing just fine i think andre patterson is such a great coach like he it's intriguing to think about what he could do with a talent like this, especially Mason Smith would be in his second year removed from the ACL tear. That's usually when these guys get their legs back underneath them. Yeah. So it could be intriguing. And, and, you know, if he was healthy this year and he performed better, this guy might've been a first round pick, you know, so you might be getting value here. Um, I still don't think he's the best player on the board. Yeah. And I would argue that, we didn't talk about the corners. I think that's one group we didn't go into here, but sounds like they're probably a little bit weaker here. Yeah, um, nobody's jumping off the screen to me. How about safeties? Or are you looking at DBs? Billy hey. Bowman from Oklahoma. Um, uh, Tyke Smith from Georgia. Yeah, nobody's really re- nobody's really jumping off the board. Is is Mike Sanders still on the board here? At- uh, seventy-two. Not that I. He might be listed as a as a corner as a as a cornerback. Not that I see. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Mike Sanders still is a Michigan cornerback. Slash Nickelback. Oh, no, he was he is. A no, wide he is. He's very far down okay. here, but he's here. Where is he listed on their board? Um, ADP of 152.3, rank 162. See, I think that's wrong. Hey. I'm pretty sure he's going to go before that. Um, Keep an eye later in this draft. Maybe we get a sleeper. Yeah, I don't think it's realistic, but <laughs> it's possible. I don't. It's possible. I So Mike Sanders still is an interesting guy because he's one of these guys who's a converted wide receiver to you know to db he plays safety he plays cornerback and if you've been watching michigan's last few games he's really been coming on and dominating he's making huge plays getting turnovers getting hitting getting big hits you know in in this wink martindale defense like 
adding a nickel back like him. We talked about the cornerback need. Um, this is not a great class for outside cornerbacks, but there's a lot of good uh, guys who are who are these nickel type backs, and Sanders is one of them. So I can hold off on him here if the board allows us to, but I think realistically he'd be going somewhere around 72 to 96, like in that range. Like he, he's probably going, you know, in the third round somewhere. Um, but it's somebody to take an eye to keep an eye on because that improves your defensive backfield also. Um, but again, getting back to our original argument, the best player available approach is always a sound one here. You're going to, you're not, you're going to thank yourself years later when you acquire Tom. I'm still solid on Jeremiah Trotter Jr. here. And there's a very good chance. Like we said, we said like a 70% chance that Blake Martindale isn't here. And in that case, it's probably likely Leslie Frazier who runs a four, three, and you've seen how important linebacker is in that defense. That linebacker is such a big part in Buffalo. So Jeremiah Trotter, bringing him as the Mike there and letting Micah McFadden and Okereke kind of run around, that would be a great linebacker room. Even if even if it's like Barndale, man, this guy can blitz. He can be he can be a very uh, useful player. Um, and I think that Wink Barndale would be creative and learn how to use these guys. I agree. So I'm good with him. So. So that's pick uh, 72, I believe, right? Yep, pick 72. I, I love the value there. Yeah, that, and this is where we start talking about just getting great players. So our next pick is at 108, I believe. 108, uh, and uh, an unfortunate what I just saw here. My guy, my guy I've called running back one, Buck Irving, went 105 to the Chicago mm. Bears. So... That's the guy I would have been pounding the table for here, man. But um, but there's still a lot of good players left. I'm not worried about it. But uh, so I wanted to give you some names that jump off the board to me here. Um, one we could still go running back here. New Jersey's own Audrey Gastame. He he would be a great running back pick here. Nazir Stackhouse, um, really more of a nose guard, but a very good defensive lineman. Cedric Van Prant. We already kind of went offensive line, but, you know, very, very accomplished center. And then Zach Zinter, who, you know, he had a horrific leg injury, but, uh, you know, was our was our interior offensive line one going into the season. And um, Trevon Henderson, Ohio State, I believe he went back to school, so I think we can take him off. Um, and then Michael Hall Jr., another guy who made their interior defensive line episode. This guy, I'll, I'll pull up some of the stats I had on him. Uh, you know, this guy, this was one I was looking for. He got tracked at 21.4 miles per hour on the Ohio State defense. This guy is a 6'2", 285-pound man running over 21 miles per hour. This guy is a physical freak, um, you know, he's matched that with this year. He had five sacks last year, two sacks this year, but he, he added five hits and 19 hurries this year, up from seven last year. So he is getting pass rush production. 85.2 pass rush grade, 69.9 run defense grade, 88.7 pass set pass rush grade, and 18.2 pass rush win rate with a 7.6 run stop rate. That those are some really impressive numbers, man. He's a guy that we we've been paying attention to because he has a lot of upside, um, but 
Yeah, I mean, this is actually probably a good spot to take him. I'm thinking about it. Like he's 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 got the pass rushing chops here that you can say, all right, if I have a pass rusher like him to put next to Dexter Lawrence, it really relieves some pressure on the other guys on in on in my edge room. But I don't think that necessarily takes away the approach of going BPA here, right? I'm not going offense defense like that. I'm thinking about what's best for the team adding talent so he's an option um audrick estimate sounds like a really good option here yeah that's um, who originally caught my eye especially with bucky irvin gone mm-hmm. and i mean he's had a fantastic year i mean look at these numbers 93.9 yeah. pff grade 93.6 rushing grade 90.3 zone grade 90.2 gap grade 120.9 yeah. elusiveness grade 4.27 yards after contacts per attempt um Eighth in the country for yards after contact with 89.2, 61 missed tackles force, uh, 22 carries of 15 yards or more. I mean, what a season by this guy. And the running back room, much like the wide receiver room, in my opinion, uh, requires a bit of a, a you know basketball-building approach. You want different style running backs who do different things. You... You have Saquon Barkley, presumably. We, we really don't know what's going to happen there, but it, I mean, I think it's fairly safe to assume he's here at least for another year uh, at minimum. You drafted Eric Gray. They haven't used him much this year, but it's not like we're going to throw the guy away. He's a receiving threat you know, out of the backfield and a good runner uh, and an elusive runner. He's just not a power back. Um, estimate, you know, and, in many ways, Eric Gray does a lot of things that, you know, Maybe not as well, but he does a lot of the things that you would want Bucky Irving to do, you know, as, as that receiving type back if you use it correctly. Mm-hmm. Estime is the kind of player we do not have. No. You know, he's a, he's a big bruising back. He is elusive. He's physical. He gets a lot of yards out of contact through, like, physical contact. Um, I've called him Baby Bettis. Because, you know, it's a lazy take because he's from Notre Dame. Yeah. But, you know, but he has a similar running style to Bettis. He's a, he looks like he should be a guy who's just plodding forward and just gaining yardage by being big. But he's a lot more – he's a lot quicker and a lot more elusive than you would expect for somebody his size. Um, I'm just trying to now imagine the offense of, you know, the, the, just what we can do with now an improved offensive line, a new receiver in Brian Thomas – J.J. McCarthy as your new young running uh, quarterback running things. And now you add a guy like Estimate to the room to complement Saquon Barkley, right? Yeah. Complement Saquon Barkley as your bruising back. Saquon becomes a guy you can start reducing his, his workload in terms of dirty yardage, and he becomes more of like that weapon that you can use in the receiving game and outside runs, you know, home run hitting type approach to things, and estimate can be your 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 power bruiser who still gets a lot of yards after contact. I'm getting kind of excited about what this offense can do with that addition, and I think he is the best player available. Unless you have anybody else that you want to throw in the mix here. No, for me, man, it comes down between Michael Hall and estimate, and both the picks really excite me, man. I think, I mean, like I said, I think SMA would be a great fit to this room. I think it's great value here in the fourth round. And this is the type of area you want to target adding to that running back room. But on in this, on the same hand, man, Michael Hall Jr. is a guy that we were excited about the upside going into the year. 
and the way I look at this, where I'm going to make a case for Michael Hall Jr. is that anytime, and we didn't do it last time, but anytime I can get an upside player in the hands of the best coach in our team, in my opinion, and Andre Patterson, and let him get a chance to get a really upside player and develop him into a potential future star, I think I, I think I'd want to do it. And I think he could really benefit playing next to Dexter Lawrence and having Andre Patterson as coach. I think this could be a true difference maker and opposed to, you know, Andre Gessman, I think would be a great player, but I think you're adding him to be a, a committee back and potentially the lead of the committee down the line. But to me, I think Michael Hall Jr. gives you the chance of being like a, a true, true, like, you will talk about how you want to eventually find like an all pro player in these, you know, these third, fourth rounds. I don't, Absolutely. I don't think you're doing that necessarily with Estime. I mean, if you do, you'd still running back at the end of the day. Like it's huge, but it's not the same difference. I think Michael Hall, I don't, I'm, I'm not ready to like say he's going to be a franchise changing player as a huge road ahead of him to get there. But I see with the coaching and the players around him, I think, with his upside, he could get there. So I think I'm going to make the case for Michael Hall Jr. here. I, how do you feel? I like your argument. You're swinging for the all pro here, the all pro potential at least. And you got, presumably you still have Andre Patterson here. Um, no, it's a, it's a strong case. And I want to develop, um, I, I and you mentioned that. I want, as long as Andre Patterson's here, I want to develop as much interior defensive lineman under him for as long as we have him. Well, also, I think that if you if you added an edge rusher, hopefully somebody to be an edge two in free agency, adding Michael Hall Jr. to that defensive line now really really solidifies what you're doing because uh, you've got your offense minus estimate in this situation, which is still a damn good offense in my opinion. It's got a really good potential. And on defense now, you've got Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, Michael Hall Jr., and presumably less name of, let's say, Daniel Hunter, all right, or Josh Uche. Not that they're the same, but those are, I think, two realistic targets they could go after and sign to be their other edge rusher. And you've added Jeremiah Trotter Jr. as well to to stand next to Bobby O'Karake and Micah McFadden. Your front seven is all of a sudden terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying um, to defenses and that's a front seven that any coordinator can work with, you know, even if Wink Martindale is not here. So, and again, if Michael Hall Jr., if he hits his athletic upside with, with, uh, with our coaching staff, you're right. This is a guy you can see becoming an all pro pro bowler. He has that kind of talent winning pass rush win rates. We talked about them for edge rushers. Dude, if they cross looking at if for an edge rusher, if an edge rusher crosses twenty percent, that's elite territory. The guys who are fifteen to twenty percent are like the really like the next level, like really really good guys to project out. This guy, defensive lineman, you see numbers like eight percent, six percent, right? Good at 8%. That, right. Michael Hall Jr. has a pass rush win rate of eighteen point two percent. Nutty as a as a three tech <laughs> as a three tech he has 19 you know, hurries yeah now the downside to him is he's only 62 right and we just talked about how you know my, they they value length yeah 
But doesn't have that. But I think the way he plays would more than make up for it. So you talk me into it, man. Let's take the upside swing here. Take Michael Hall Jr. Yeah, and I think you could still get your estimate type even in free agency. Like I, I don't have the list in front of me, but. I don't even know if he's a free agent, but you could get like the James Conner types probably pretty cheap in free agency and still add, you know, get that bruiser to take some t- take some uh, reps away from Saquon. You're not getting an upside guy like Michael Hall Jr. in free agency. No, that, that's a very fair point. Take him. Make the pick. All right. All well, right. I, I'm happy so about that so, pick after we talked about so, it. So let's stop and recap again. We got our quarterback with J.J. McCarthy round one. In rounds two, we took Jordan Morgan, our new right tackle slash guard. We also took Brian Thomas Jr., our new outside wide receiver. In the third round, we took Jeremiah Trotter Jr., the linebacker from Clemson, who is definitely the best linebacker in this class. And we got our hands on Michael Hall Jr. in the fourth round, the interior defensive lineman, more of a three-tech from Ohio State, who has enormous upside and is already an outstanding pass rusher to pair with Andre Patterson and develop and unlock his game. That's a pretty darn good haul for the first six picks. You know, we've added three, we've added, um, you know, I'm sorry, five picks, right? Um, Yep. So that, so for five picks, we've added three impact offensive players and two impact defenders and those two impact defenders have already taken our front seven and really made it a lot better. So we have two more picks to go. Um, so now we're getting into like the the later part of the draft, our fifth round pick and our sixth round pick. There are things we have not addressed yet. Uh, we haven't addressed our defensive backfield. Uh, yep. I think that's the one that's out that's glaring right here. We could always add another tight end. We could add another receiving weapon depending on who's on the board. We haven't added a, a running back. Um, to me, those are the two areas that stand out most. Not that I would force a pick, but I would be curious who the best defensive backs are on the board and who the best running backs are on the board. Uh, and obviously who's listed as the best player on the board. So tell us who's there. At, what is it? Pick 145. Yep. And honestly, there's some really interesting names. Also shout out, man, we had some guys who went off just before these picks that I would have loved here. Um, at 142, we lost Roman Wilson. At mm. 143, we lost Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. Oof. That, that would have been, been the pick. pick, dude. Braylon yeah. Allen, a 19-year-old running back. Let's see if they pull up. I can pull up. I can. Dude. 6'2", 245. A 19-year-old running back who's, you know, if he plays in his bowl game, will run for over 1,000 yards three years in a row, over 10 touchdowns three years in a row. At 5.4 yards carries or more every single year. I mean, that that would have been a pick that I would have loved here. Unfortunately, we can't make that pick, but I think that would have been my no-brainer. But some names that do interest me regardless. Um, I think we should can assume Shadow Sanders is going to go back to school if we're assuming Shador uh-huh. is going back. Um, but, hey, uh, my guy for you, Max Melton out of, out of uh, Rutgers. I, that's a guy we talked about in the cornerback episode. It's another an outside my, corner. Yep. Yeah. Another my guy for me, Dalen Holker, tight end from Colorado State. We one of the most productive mm-hmm. tight ends in the country. Um, you know, Cooper BB. I think so. Let's let's put this out here. Cooper, we can 
taken. We can potentially talk about that being the option. I think he's the clear he won't be there. EPA, but he won't be here. So I think no. Unless this is this is a this is a glitch in the PFF board. There's no way I see Cooper Greavy getting out of the top 100. Yep. So, uh, although he should be the pick here, I think there's enough players that we can talk about where we don't have to just kind of like be like, well, you know, pick somebody. We we're knowledgeable enough on the players left here that we should go ahead and look other way. So, Ricky Paris um from Florida. He's had a really good year. He's the one who had that that OBJ type catch earlier in the year. He's had a really good uh, year. Um, and look right here. Mike Sanistro. Or Sanistro. Mm. How do you say his name? Mike uh, Sanistro. Sanistro. He's one, Sanistro, of the, yeah. one of the BPAs here. So, in, uh, you know, and James Williams, safety out of uh, Miami. That's another guy we talked about. Um, he was the guy who was the actual five-star recruit. Uh, the year that they found Cam Kinchins, who was, I think, their 16th highest recruit to their own class. Of course, Cam Kinchins became a first-round talent. Wilson it didn't develop the same way, but he's still a, a he's he's a very good player. I think what is he like? He's like six four. He's a big safety. Um, yeah. So he, he's interesting. He is six five, two fifteen. Yeah. Um, he's a yeah. big dude. He's built like a linebacker and he's playing safety, but um, he's interesting. I'm not necessarily in, enthralled with guys who are just, you know, monstrous size. I want guys who are athletes who can be impact players. That's been, if you think about it, the theme of our class has been impact players, right? Guys who come in and have a boom effect on the roster. Um, one, also I like more. Mac. Uh, go ahead. One more. So we talked about running backs. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm mad Braylon Allen before us because that would have been the pick, I didn't think I would have argued it here, but Frank Gore Jr. is on the board. Yes, I was going to bring him up. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him. Frank Gore Jr. is really someone worth talking about. I don't recall. Was he one of our my guys? I, I think no, he might have been. But I don't think he, he wasn't. was, He's, but we talked. I know you and I talked about him. I love this guy. So this is the son of, of uh, NFL Hall of Famer Frank Gore. Uh, who was a fam- you know obviously went to Georgia and was a famous back um, on the Niners most predominantly um, played forever has enormous rushing yardage and his, his all time stats are incredible he's productive for many years Frank Gore Jr. is having a fantastic run but he's you know he's at Southern Miss he's not at a at a Power Five school um, so that you can hold against him but his production is incredible I mean he had a ninety rushing grade. Um, 88.5 zone rushing grade. He was a 78.9 gap grade. Um, his elusive rating was high. He was one of 5.4. He gets 3.6 yards after contact, which is really high. Um, he's a recept- He's a he's a threat out of the backfield as a receiver. And 27 receptions this year out of 36 targets. He had 1119 yards on the ground. Uh, another 224 in the air. He's a very productive back. This is one where I'm tempted. I don't know if I would pass up on some of the other high-end talent for Frank Gore Jr. at this spot, though. Yeah. Because you made you, you mentioned some real good names on defense here. Um, so I'd like to, if you're okay with it, go back to the defensive guys here. I, I agree. I'll also just mention 5'8", 195. So he is a smaller guy. That's a knock against uh-huh. him. Um, but, you know, we, we love those NFL bloodlines. Those, you, those guys just look like they, they, they know what they're doing better than the guys who aren't. And they tend to hit. Uh, so I would, you know, it would hurt if we passed up on him and we lost out on him. But 
Uh, I just think that there's better talent on the board here. So I agree. to me, of the of the names you mentioned, this comes down to either Max Melton or Mike Sanderstill. I um, same same page with you. Um, Mike Max Melton is worth recapping. Um, I don't know if you have our notes. I can pull it up. He's a, a second. Yeah. He was, he was, I think he was my guy from, he's from Rutgers, the brother of Bo Melton, the wide receiver who came out of Rutgers a couple of years ago in the draft, who is, I'm trying to remember where he went, uh, the Seahawks, I think, but, um, but um, Max Melton's a really good, he's a really good cornerback. He's an outside corner. I think he's six feet, 190 pounds, if I recall. Um, Yep. I'm not looking at it, but I remember. His claim to fame was he put up some really good reps against Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, and that's where he put himself on the map. Like he was able to to kind of hang with the best wide receiver in the country uh, and cover him, whether he lined up inside outside. He kind of followed him around. So he he is a versatile uh, quarterback. He has length. Uh, he has a good wingspan. I don't know what his exact measurables are going to come in as, but you can see it on tape. Like he uses his length to break up passes. He can run with guys. I don't think he's going to test in an elite way, but I think he's going to test in a good way. Um, so if the Giants want to take, I mean, this is good value here. If you get a guy who you think could be a potential starting cornerback, he is, especially an outside cornerback who's got some physicality to him, you can allow yourself to leave Cordell Flott in the slot. Um, I think that has value. But I'm going to be honest here. I actually think the most impactful player on the board right now is Mike Sanderstill from Michigan. Um, that's the guy I'm looking at because I've mentioned him a couple of times now, and we should make mention of what comes out of Michigan. This guy was a wide receiver. He was converted to safety. He plays that sort of hybrid nickel role where he can run with wide receivers. He can take on assignments where he's, where he's helping in the box. He's become a very good and physical tackler. He has the ball skills of a wide receiver, which he was. And as the season has gone on in Michigan, he's gotten better and better. You can see that in his grades. Like he just got better and better and better and became more impactful playing next to Rod Moore, who I don't know where he went. I'm sure he went in like the third round or something because he's a very good safety too. Mm-hmm. But Sanders still fits that, you know, that eraser role, right? That uh, to take away the modern NFL threats, the guys who are wide receivers slash running backs coming out of the backfield who are running all sorts of things on the route tree, you need somebody who has the athleticism and the physicality to, to handle those those different assignments. Adding this guy to the mix with Xavier McKinney, assuming he's back, and Jason Pinnock, this guy can play corner for you and allow you to move um, Cordell Flott outside. Um, or you can just leave him as a third safety. Right, and, and he can help out there, but he's basically positionless in many ways. And I like the idea of this positionless defensive back who can be an eraser. So I'm just now thinking about, again, a defensive room where you've added Trotter, Jr., and Hall in the last two picks. So now your front seven, again, is Kayvon Thibodeau, Michael Hall, Jr., Dexter Lawrence, and some edge you added in free agency, theoretically. And we're hoping for a good one, like, again, Hunter or... Uche or somebody like that. Um, and now your, your your linebackers, your starting linebackers are Bobby O'Karake, Micah McFadden, and Jeremiah Trotter Jr., which is actually a pretty fearsome front seven. You've already got McKinney. You've got Deontay Banks. You've got Jason Pinnock as a second safety. Adding this guy, you've got Cordell Flott, uh, who could be a versatile cornerback. 
adding a guy like Sanders still, in my opinion, gives you that much more versatility with that defensive backfield. It allows Wink Martindale to do so many things. We know he likes that positionless guys back there so he can run different coverages and fool the offense and disguise what he's doing. Sanders still really helps towards that cause. So this is, to me, a if we have Wink Martindale here, and I'm hoping we do, I think Sanders would be an outstanding pick. So that's, that's my long-winded way of saying get the Michigan well-coached player here. So, a couple things to say. Um, before I dive into Sanders, though, I just wanted, because I did pull it up, some of the notes we had on Max Melton. He is the brother of Bo Melton, wide receiver for the Packers. Like you like Packers, that's right. Yep. Yeah. As you mentioned, Melton competed well with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka. Um, very, very like good competition with those guys. You know, he said we said he had baseline athleticism for the NFL. We said he was sticky. He was smart. He was a trash talker. He had the mentality you wanted in a quarter cornerback, and he had good spatial awareness. So, um, you know, really just solid player. But, um, you know, I think you really did sell me on Mike Sanders show. I was looking up to see if he was a freak list guy because, you know, these Michigan guys always, always can are always freaks. They always are. He was not, but in, in one of the spots, where they were talking a Michigan player, they mentioned some other guys who could have been a freak list. And he did make the honorable mention there where he said that he has a 40 inch vertical and he, wow. and he has a, ba- a bounded up reactive plyo stairs. I really don't know what's a good number on that, but he had a 2.26 seconds. So um, apparently he's good. I don't know too much about that drill. So, but for I know for sure, forty inch vertical is an explosive number. Um, so that will help make up for some of the size deficits there for sure. Is, is that is that the workout where they put resistance bands on your legs to restrict your movement as you go up and down? Sound, sounds it right. might be, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it's just I think it's just measuring sort of like fast twitch muscles and and their ability to go up and down. But yeah, I mean he's an athlete and you can see it on film. So. Um, I'm for the sake of this exercise. I am assuming that Wink Barndale is our defensive coordinator, even though I said he's probably seventy thirty to go. I, I don't want to believe it. So, and I just like the idea of a positionless guy adding to this defense and just talent. So, that's my pitch. If you agree, pull the trigger. Yeah, and look, even if he's not, like we have a fantastic defensive back coach in Jerome Henderson. Jerome Henderson's one of the best in the league as a defensive back coach. I would, I'd love to see him work with this guy um, who was, you know, a all American in high school as a wide receiver came in, made, made the switch in just 2022. And, you know, look at those stats, 83.5 coverage grade, 76.2 run defense grade, 80, um, 83 point. Oh, they repeated this coverage game three times, but regardless, he 82.9 overall PF grade. He's had a really, really good uh, season. And as you mentioned, he's played all around. So, you know, I'm with you here. Let's go ahead and draft him, and I think you you got a guy who will be an impact player on this defense, uh, whether just as a guy who can play different areas or maybe eventually become a starter who can do that. All right. So we've got three on offense. The first three picks were offense. The next three picks were defense. Um, I don't think we did that on purpose. I think we kind of went with impact. We were just looking for impact BPA types. we got one pick left, assuming no trades. We're in the sixth round. Um, um, again, I'm, I'm on the, just get talent here, but areas we have not addressed running back and tight end. Um, 
you know, yeah. and edge. We haven't really addressed edge, uh, not in the draft at least. So um, what do we have here? So running back, I mean, the name that pops off to me we can't take here is Raheem Sanders, Raheem Rocket Sanders. He went back to college, so we can't yeah. take him. Um, they have Jace uh, McClellan from Alabama here. He has pretty solid numbers, um, but Taj Brooks from Texas, uh, Texas Tech. He, I don't know too much about him, to be honest, but uh, wow. Actually, man, yeah, I'm going to have to do yeah. my research. I don't know if you know about it, but look at this. 91 missed tackles force. That's something that I really look for in running backs. I think number one in the country, number one in the country. That's something I'll say when I look at running backs and I try to find these guys, the ability to force missed tackles in yards after contact are two things that I look for above almost everything else. And he's fifth in the country with 919 yards after contact and 91 missed tackles force as a big 12 guy I should probably know more about him, but I, I really don't. He's 5'10", 230. Wow. Oh, the truck. So, I mean, if we're taking running back, this is definitely an interesting name. Bet, bet, bet on traits. <laughs> bet yeah. on traits. The traits being hum- humongous fucking running back. And, uh, yeah. So, no, those are impressive numbers. The yards after contact numbers are really fascinating here. Um, the yard, And just the missed tackle rates, that's impressive. And I'm assuming... You know, the, the way I have, to, I, I don't want to guess actually. I, don't, I haven't looked at his tape, so I really don't know what this guy is about. Um, it sounds interesting. Um, 1,451 yards, 5.5 5 yards per grade. attempt, nine touchdowns. Man, that, I, man. doesn't have a lot. Actually, has 23 receptions and 29 targets. That's not bad for a running back. That's yeah, pretty and good. Like, and one, one thing I say a lot with running backs, and look, they're, they're obviously are the exceptions of, who are, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's of the world, who are special, special receivers. But for the most part, I look at the running back position as the do's and the do not as receivers. It's either you can catch the ball or you can't. And obviously some guys do it better, but it's really, if you can't do it, then that's a huge problem. But as long as you can do it, I don't have, like most of the time it's just dumping off the ball. You're not, they're not asking you to do anything special if you're 99% of running backs. What are the other players here other than running back? As, as, as considering we can't speak too much to Taj Brook, let's you know let's get look at some others. One thing you mentioned, we could still go tight end. We haven't done tight end yet. Ben Sanat, this was a guy from our our tight end episode. This is a guy you were a huge fan of and is having a really good year. I mean, go, coming off twenty twenty two, he was a guy that you were a big fan of, and he's he's really taking the next step. Eighty one receiving grade. Two yards per route run, which is high for a tight end. Um, run block grade is 75.8. Um, this guy is 6'4", 245. I can pull up some of the notes we have on him, but uh, what, what do you remember about what you liked about Ben Sanat? He was a zero-star recruit. That's what I liked about him. He was a yeah. zero-star recruit. If I recall, he went and played at Iowa for a while or Iowa State. I'm, I'm trying to remember where he went initially and then he came or he, or he committed there. But in any case... Bensonat's a guy who's had to, you know, no scholarship, work his way up, um, and has worked his way up towards the top of this particular year's tight end room. It's not a great room, not like last year's class, but I remember this guy just being a solid all around tight end, a very good pass receiver, a good route runner. I remember that about him. I have to go back to the notes, but I remember thinking he was a very good route runner for his for his size. Yeah, um, I remember that and, as well. 
you know, and one of these guys who like is a bit of a cheat code, right? When, when you talk about like the the kind of tight ends that add value to an organization are the guys who can really put, be good pass receivers, but also reliable run game blockers so that they can mask what they do. I think he does fit that mold very well. And he runs good enough routes where he becomes a threat in, you know, in, in the over the middle game. Um, he was a decent runner. I don't think he was somebody who would like run away from guys, but he was solid after contact. Um, his receiving grade is excellent. Um, he has good yak. I mean, yak matters for for tight ends. It's not great, but he gets about six point eight yards after catch I love, reception. That's I love pretty yak good. and tight ends. I think right. I mean, that, I mean, right. I mean, it just speaks to guys finding the spot, the 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 open spot in the zone, and being able to drag defenders for a few extra yards. I like Bensonot, man. Um, now we have Daniel Bellinger, who I think already fits this mold, to be totally honest. And we have Darren Waller. So uh, to me, if if we're trading Darren Waller or, you know, whatever, if, if we decide we're moving on from him after this year, which to me won't make a lot of sense. Um, but if we are, I'm very interested in Bensonot here. I really am. Um, if we're not trading Bar- Darren Waller as much as I like Bensonot, I think guys like him can be found in almost every draft class. Yeah. Um, so, so I do have our notes on him. So this is what we had on him. You mentioned zero star recruit. They, we said he was a quality athlete. He was a hands catcher. He's a versatile player. He's a guy, you know, they lined up as fullback and things like that. He, he, he throttles well at the stem, um, snaps uh-huh. in and out of his breaks. It's good controlled speed. He's a solid blocker who plays low. Um, you say we do, he does occasionally get beat as a blocker with bad with using bad angles. That's you know one of the negatives we had him. But we did say tough runner, good athlete. He high points balls wells. He has good ball concentration and you know good change of direction ability. So you know, a lot of positive. I remember the I remember the blocking problem was in space. Yes, uh, it wasn't at the it wasn't at the line of scrimmage. It was more like running in space and blocking to open up, you know, runs for receivers with the with a ball in their hand. Uh, where sometimes he would take awkward angles and just misjudge angles on safeties and blocking in space, which it matters. It's important, but you know, I don't think it's a game changer necessarily for him. Um, I'm still thinking about him here. I really am. I, I mean, I like the talent. Um, what what are the, who are the other guys that you mentioned? The the running back. Are there any other running backs here? Are there any other players that are catching your eye here that are just um, talented? One player that's catching my eye is uh, Keith Randolph Jr. from Illinois. This is the running mate of Johnny Newton. He's had yeah. kind of seemingly a down year. He has 79 grade last year. It's only 65.3. Um, three sacks, two hits, eight hurries. But, um, I mean, I remember these two guys are kind of like the – they were the stars of that defense, 6'5", 305 pounds. If, we didn't address interior defensive line. I would definitely be more pushing for this. He was a really good running mate for Johnny Newton, um, but probably not the way I would go. There's Tyron Hopper, the linebacker from Missouri. I him really looked into him a little bit. Six two two twenty one. He's more of he's a smaller linebacker. Is some athleticism. Um, Jordan Birch from Oregon is a solid. Um, edge player, six only sixty two point one uh, pass rush grade, seventy six point seven run defense grade, ten point four percent run stop rate. He's, so he's more of a run run stop guy. Three sacks this year, but uh, you know that that Oregon front is really good. Um, but you know, looking through this, 
I think for me, it comes down to Sanat, who was, you know, a guy we talked about in our tight end episode, and a guy who I, I clearly have to look a lot more into is, is Taj Brooks. I mean, though he hits all the metrics I look for in, in a tight end. And, you know, it's a position that we failed as much as we wanted to to address. Um, I think it's, I think this is, despite not knowing as much as I wish I did, I think this is the place I want to, I want to lean on them. You know, I can come, we'll come back next week in the Q and A's and mail, mailbag and talk about this guy a little bit. But, um, I, for, because we missed this position, it's one I really want to address. And these numbers are very intriguing to me. I, I think this is where I want to go. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think if I knew more about him, I would take him. Um, you know, uh, I really would, I would, if I, if I, I can't say I know much about the player here. I'm being very honest with everybody watching, you know, I just yeah. haven't watched this film. So we're going basically based on, on data. Um, and, and, and data matters. Like when we're, it's how we find players sometimes as we look through this, these data, and then you, you know, charts, and then you go back and watch a film and say, yep, it matches or it doesn't match, you know? And so, um, I don't know the answer to this question. I think, um, I don't think there's a compelling enough reason to take a tight end here, given our current mm-hmm. status, that you have to take Sanat, although Sanat really intrigues me as a player. Yeah. Um, I would strongly consider taking him, if we, especially if we were trading Darren Waller. Yeah. You know? And I think that's where you would make an argument. Because then you'd have an extra pick or two to use on your running back somewhere else. Um, but I'm with you. I think, you know, if you're seeing insane numbers like that, forgive us for giving you a pick that is on a guy that we haven't watched film on, but I, I can't deny those numbers. Those numbers are ridiculous. So what we can do is take Brooks here and promise you guys we'll go watch his film and bring yeah. it back on the next episode or something and tell you all about him. And and I'll say, even if I don't love his tape, if his tape is just, you know, fine, as long as I don't hate it, look, in the sixth round, when you have a need at running back, he has the size, he has the numbers. At this point, it's worth taking the risk and seeing if he can translate that to the next level, even if it doesn't look as projectable on tape. And, and he sounds like it's the way it sounds like we're talking about it. Like a, one of these bowling ball running backs, not necessarily an outside zone runner or something like yeah. that. So I, I think we, I think I like the idea that adding that to the room. So pull the trigger, man, take, take this guy and then we'll watch his film later. Sounds good. <laughs> By the way, uh, the Raiders won 63 to 21. I just saw that. Yeah. Uh, good Brandon for Antonio Staley. Pierce, man. Yeah. Staley. Whew. Anyway. <laughs> um, that's our class, right? I think we're done. Yep. So it's about Let's to re- finish this draft, and it'll show our recap. And we're going to get a terrible grade because we didn't care They're about They're going to hate PFF JJ. Ranking. They're going to hate JJ. It's going to get an F. Don't, don't judge us by the grade. We don't care about that. All right. What do we get? An F for JJ. C plus overall. Um, Okay, because again, F for JJ, right? F for JJ, B minus on Jordan Morgan, B plus on Brian Thomas Jr., A minus on Jeremiah Trotter Jr., B on Michael Hall Jr., a lot of juniors, uh, B minus on Mike Stanistrell, and C plus on Taj Brooks. Yeah. So forget about the grade because the grade is based on how closely you align your pick to what they consider to be the BPA and alignment of need. And positional value, and we uh, we we have our own evaluation process, which I think 
in my opinion, is going to fall closer to reality, uh, but we'll see. Um, but our approach here, let's summarize it. Quarterback is a day one problem for the Giants. Um, we took our quarterback here. At pick eight, we took J.J. McCarthy. I'm willing to bet that if we had taken Jaden Daniels, this thing would have given us a higher grade. Yeah, but, uh, or Bonex. <laughs> or Bonex. Yeah, they, they have Bonex higher because uh, Trevor Sikama loves Bonex. Yeah. And he creates this thing. So um, we, well, we, we went with our guy. We're assuming for a second that, that this is the guy that Joe Shane would target and say, I want the guy with the traits to develop at quarterback, the young guy with all the physical traits and who has some really darn good film. Um, I want this guy and I'm going to develop him with Brian Dable. So even if you don't agree with this specific player, the philosophy is clear. We're not messing around here. We're taking our quarterback on in our pick day one. And that's why I'm not panicking about like the wins and losses. I think that there are guys that should be available that the Giants should be able to take and say, we got our quarterback day one, let's move on. Yep. It made life a lot easier, as you saw after that, right? It took kind of the stress off the rest of the draft because now you're like, all right, we can just address our needs and hit go BPA and see what happens. So with the second round first pick, we took uh, Jordan Morgan, left tackle. Well, offensive tackle from Arizona. He plays left tackle now, but a really good balanced offensive lineman who can who can be versatile on the line and I think can be a plug-and-play right tackle in case we need him to. But if Evan Neal hits, it's a guy you can easily start as a guard inside and help out the line, make it better. With our next pick in the second round, the one we got from Seattle for the Leonard Williams trade, we're taking Brian Thomas Jr., 6'3", 205, strong outside receiver, um, our new X receiver right? with speed, strength, the whole bit, very good at contested catches. Um, and then Jeremiah Trotter Jr., the linebacker from Clemson at the next pick, who was clearly the BPA there. Michael Hall Jr., the defensive lineman from Ohio State with the next pick to pair with uh, Jerome Henderson and, and obviously Dexter Lawrence, a guy with enormous pass rushing chops Andre and a Patterson. lot of physical upside. I'm sorry, Andre Patterson. Um, and then Mike Sanders, still the, the nickelback from Michigan. And then Brooks, the running back we've not watched. Yeah, the <laughs> the unknown, but interesting, yeah. man. Yeah, All I right. mean. So what do you think? So, so what's your, forget about the PFF grade. Tell me what you think. What does our team look like after this class? How are you feeling? I feel really good about this, about this draft, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously we took kind of our guy here in JJ, and I would be fine too if we took Jane Daniels like we did in the other one. If, if they have conviction about a quarterback, go take them and. I'm just happy that we went and addressed the position. And I think there's multiple guys in this draft who are worthy of this, of being taken in the first round. Um, And JJ is projectable player. And I I know people won't love this pick, but I think um, as time goes by, if he declares he's a, he's a guy who will grow on you. Um, Jordan Morgan, man, I, uh, you know, I think it was the right pick to do because there is a lot of good offensive tackles at the top of this board. And you're really just playing to the strength of your, the draft by taking one here. Um, you know, I have some worries if he can go inside just cause we haven't seen it. I would obviously preferred like a Troy Fontenu. He wasn't here obviously, but, um, but I do think Jordan Morgan is a good pick. And yeah, you know, Fontenu would have been the pick if he was there. I think that's pretty clear. We would have taken him over Morgan, but yeah. um but I think Morgan is an exciting prospect as a tackle slash guard. At the end, he improves your old line room. I think that's how I look at it. Yep. And I think, I think he can play guard. And I, I do think Evan Neal at tackles is, a, is enough of a concern where you really do have to take a guy who has 
tackle guard versatility because you really might need a tackle. And Jordan Morgan, I I trust more than the other guys we talked about moving outside. He's a good he's a good football player. I'm happy with that pick. He's a good value. Um, Brian Thomas, like you mentioned, big guy, one of the best deep threats in the uh, in the uh, in college football. I think JJ McCarthy, who has he has a hose of an arm, will be able to use him well. Um, and I think he he matches up well with Jalen Hyatt on the other side uh, playing. And I think you know, Brian Thomas can be our ex. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter, love 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 Jeremiah Trotter. He was a guy that I fell in love with when we watched his tape. He's just one of the most clean players in the entire draft. He looks like an NFL player already. Um, you know, they gave us an A minus on this one, and I think they're right to do that because I think yeah, this this probably was our best pick of the draft. I don't think he should fall to round three, but linebackers do sometimes, man. Off ball linebackers aren't very valued, and you know, I, although it worries me if if we have Wink Martindale still exactly like how often we can get this guy in the field because for once we have two good linebackers that does, has not happened to us in a very long time. Uh, but I think Jeremiah Trotter at the end of the day is a good football player and you take good football players and needs change really quickly. Um, Michael Hall Jr. That was one that I, that I petitioned for a little bit. Like I said, Andre Patterson, Dexter Lawrence, his athleticism, his upside. I think he could, he'll, he'll fill into that Leonard Williams role to an extent. Um, your guy, Mike Sanistrell, get him with Jerome Henderson, versatility, athleticism, 40 inch vert. I think um, I think that ball skills, yeah, ball skills, ball skills, yeah. A, a guy, who, yeah, former wide receiver who just switched, just switched in twenty twenty two to D back, and is already putting up produ- productive numbers there. Um, I like the upside there. I love guys who switched positions and already showing upside. I think that just shows how how much more they could grow. And then except finally Taj Brooks, I mean. Look, I have to watch him. He has the size and he has the numbers I look for. Like I said, the after the after contact yards and missed tackles force, those are two numbers that I look above all rest in um, running backs. And he is some of the best in the country. I I have to look into this guy because I I'm excited about what I see and I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping his his tape matches the numbers. I'm thinking about our depth chart now and our roster after we put this this draft class into the mix. We don't know what free agents they'll go after. I'm hoping, like I said, I keep saying it. I hope they sign one of these edge rushers, an impact edge rusher, to pair with Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, but, man, the idea of having two high-end talents like Trotter Jr. and Michael Hall Jr. added to that front seven, yep. which is already beginning to show dominant signs, is you know, especially if you have another edge rusher thrown in the mix and you're mixing in – uh, Aziz Ojolari as like a as like a rotational edge rusher. You're talking about the makings of just a dominant, dominant front seven, an absolutely dominant front seven, and a defense. Yeah, and then you got a defensive backroom full of athletes. If you think about it, right? Xavier McKinney, Deontay Banks, Mike Sanders, still Jason Pinnock, guys. All these guys have ball skills. They all can cover. They all can come down and tackle. They all have the same kind of skill set. If you think about it, right? They can be used. In the run game and run support, they're outstanding in coverage. They all have good ball skills. Uh, and Deontay Banks is a guy we said we doesn't have good ball skills coming up, but he has he has some picks. You know, yeah. he's making plays on the ball, so he's he's showing ball skills here. 
Um, he's breaking up passes. You know, he's doing good. He's, he had a great breakup of a pass in the game against the Packers. You're seeing a prototype of a defensive backfield develop. And I like that, right? Yeah. These guys can mix and match, and they're certain. They're physical. They're strong. They're fast. Ball skills. I, I they're interchangeable parts. It makes it hard for offenses to game plan for these guys. Um, so I really love what the defense is looking like with this on offense. Like you said, the depth the depth chart has improved. The quarterback room, most importantly, has improved substantially with the addition of McCarthy into the mix. Um, and like I said, you could pick whatever quarterback you want there, but. You know, one of these top five guys added into the mix, um, adding the running back that can be a bruiser. Hopefully, we have to look into his tape to add to the running back room will help. But adding a guy like Brian Thomas Jr. really, it, it really kind of rounds out that wide receiver room. I think. I yeah. think that's what's missing in that room right now. It's a nice addition, and it gives the offense so much more flexibility to be able to to hit the deep ball on either side with Hyatt or Thomas. They're both speedsters. Although this guy's more physical. And I think, you know, and, and guys who can run good routes and Wandell Robinson will be allowed to eat underneath, right? When you have Waller and these guys running around, if you have a quarterback who can get the ball there and just having a guy like um, the offensive lineman, Morgan, in the mix to improve the room, hopefully with a new coach. This is starting to look like a team that, if, depending on the, the pace at, you know, which the quarterback you take develops, could be a contender within a year or two, you know, a legitimate contender. You're talking about putting together a pretty darn good roster. We didn't have to make any trades. We didn't have to do anything crazy. We just sat still and took took our guys. I like this class, man. I feel really good about the roster after this draft class. I'd be pumped if we walked away with a draft class like this. This this draft class really excites me. I think you got a lot of players who will fit this team, and then you went BPA, like basically – you know, round two and beyond, you really went went with it. And you know, Sanisha, like you mentioned, dude, like we've seen some of these um these guys like Deontay Banks, who wasn't a you know a ball hawk in a college or to throw it in the NFL. But it's nice to get a guy who has proven ball skills coming into the NFL and know what you're getting because we really, you know, this is the first year we've kind of seen that come to fruition where we really haven't had a guy with ball skills. This guy, the reason we wanted. Emmanuel Forbes and you know I think you add that with him and you know Cordo Flott you might be you know might be a guy who can play outside for you you know six foot he's a guy who did a little bit in camp and you know you can try that now and he and he'll he might be able to get the opportunity and you can feel comfortable playing Sandstrel um in in at slot and you know hopefully be a, a guy who can play be a little bit of a ball hawk out of there um yeah man i like it hall jr you i think you get your leonard williams replacement and i you know it's, it might take it, some it's time. just it it's a good class it's i mean this is what you do right like you you can't assume and we talk about this in the draft you can't build roman a day you can't fit yep. every need and you shouldn't be drafting for need you should really be aiming to get the best players the most projectable athletes you should aim for those kinds of guys so you can have the potential to hit an all pro home run that's what the 49ers do that's what the ravens do the ravens really just kind of sit back we kind of did more of a ravens approach here where they just sit back and say let the best players fall to us and we'll just take them Everybody else is drafting for need and reaching here and there. We're just going to sit still and take the best player. And they do that. If you take that approach year after year after year in the draft, you're going to build up an outstanding roster. And who cares if you have redundancy at some position with quality guys, you can trade them. You know, you can, you can move guys. You can, you, you know, there are things you can do as long as you have talent. It's hard to trade a mediocre player because you took him to fill a need 
it's easy to fit, to trade a really good player when you have a position of strength, right? Yeah. Uh, so, it, so it's just you just take the best guys, make your roster as good as possible. You do a few drafts like this, in my opinion, and these, if, if enough of these guys hit, you've got yourself a contender. So I'm 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 good with this. Um, so that's our first seven round mock. Um, we'll be doing more of these as we get closer to draft season, but we wanted to do one before the season was over. Obviously, things can change with the giant draft will change in, in all likelihood somewhat a few times before the end of the season. But the philosophy has not changed. This entire draft class was based on the premise of you've got to get your quarterback round one one way or another. And we chose to just pull the trigger and take it early. And then it, you, you can see it made our decision making a lot easier after that. And I think that's exactly how it would play out for Joe Shane. You breathe a sigh of relief, you got your quarterback, and you start building your roster some more. So you don't have to wait until you have a perfect roster to take a quarterback. <laughs> you know, there yep. are other picks. This is a good class. I wish we had some more picks. We might get more picks. We'll see. Um, do you have any other closing thoughts before we shut this down for today? No, man. I don't I don't think I have anything. Um, I'm trying to think. Do we I think we have some uh some bowl games coming up, don't we? We got a few. I was looking at the schedule. So the bowls start uh, this Saturday. You got all the, the New Mexico Bowl, the New Orleans Bowl, the Cure Bowl, the you know Independence Bowl. But no, like I don't see any marquee matchups. I think it's a little early. An interesting one might be on Monday, December eighteenth, the Bahamas Bowl, Western Kentucky, with our guy Malachi Moore playing against Old Dominion. Old Dominion happens to have a very interesting player. We didn't mention him yet, but. It's a linebacker by the name of Jason Henderson. Uh, do you remember we talked about this guy? It's he not- has the most. He has the most tackles since uh, Luke Keekley. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as a line, this guy had 187 tackles last year. Um, I was just looking up his stats to see where he was this year. So he had 186 last year total tackles in in 12 games, and this year he had 170. Uh, 19 and a half tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks insanely productive plays at a small school, but this is a guy like, you know, if the giants want to get another linebacker or they don't take a linebacker, but they want to take a swing, he's a late round guy. You know, you might be able to get him later in the draft or maybe even a UDFA six, one, two twenty. not a big guy, but um, somebody, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch the game specifically to see Jason Henderson. So I'm going to be watching that one. You have your eye on any of these bowl games. So one, this catches my eye based off this draft, uh, the independence bowl. Cal versus Texas Tech, and we we get a chance to check out Taj Brooks. Oh, there you go. We watch the Saturday, see if we made a good pick or not. It's Saturday, 9.15 p.m., the Independence Bowl, California versus Texas Tech. All right, that's good if you want to see Taj Brooks. I want to see Taj Brooks. I do. I'm going to go see if we can find his coach's film like now. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to look through these games and see if there's anything that catches my eye. Nothing nothing crazy. Uh, No. (laughs) Never mind. Almost had something. Um, no, I think we're good. I think um, then you get into like the next week, and I think the games get they start getting a little bit better as we enter like the the Christmas week. That's when a lot of the better bowl games start. So um, the national, uh, you know, the 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 semifinal game doesn't happen until New Year's Eve, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, or actually, no, New Year's Day, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I gotta look it up. Yeah, yeah, I think it's New Year's Day. New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. So the Rose Bowl and New Year's Day, 5 o'clock game is Alabama, the fifth seed versus the number one seed, Michigan. 
And the Sugar Bowl is uh, Texas, the three seed versus two seed Washington at 845 that night. That game's going to be fun. That's a few weeks away. So um, got some bowl games, got some college football. I'll definitely be watching for certain players. Um, the Giants play on Sunday. We haven't talked about them at all, except oh. for the coaching stuff. Hey, uh, it'll be hey, fun. They're, they're, it'll be fun. They're, got, they're at New Orleans, 1 o'clock. Should be fun to see if if DeVito, uh, DeVito sanity keeps going on. Yeah, um, probably. It, it's fun. Probably because we're okay with them winning probably means they'll lose. Right. I've accepted <laughs> anything at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. I think that's an episode. Uh, as always, please follow us if you haven't already at He's a Giant Pod on Twitter. Follow me, Sal, at Queens underscore guy. Follow Monty at Monte Cristo at M-O-N-T-E-C-R-I-5-T-O. Please like us, review us, give us five stars on all the major platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple. And with that, I'll leave, I'll leave it and end this thing, and I'll see you guys next week. Have a, have a good week, and go Giants. Yeah, see you guys next week. Remember setting mailbag questions. Go Giants. <laughs>